This is the Squared Goal Podcast with Mark Morris and Jared Meruyama. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Squared Co. Podcast. We have a full house here tonight for our Decon recap episode. Uh, with me as always, Mr. J. Rod Shortsky Mariyama. That's right. Say Good hello, to be here. Hello. <laughs> and back again. Yes. Mr. Miguel Wilson of Rad Retro Power. Woo-hoo. Hello, Miguel. So excited to be back once again. Nice. Oh, yes. Third time's a charm, I hear. So this hopefully this will be your best episode yet. The best. I don't know what happens on the fourth time around, but this one this one will be good. You're like the last guy got cut on the fourth one. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so like I said, this is the Designer Con 2018 recap episode. Uh, for record time, this is the Tuesday right after Decon. Um, it was the first year at the Anaheim Convention Center. Uh, I know that I have some pretty strong opinions about the show. Always. And we will get to hear about those later, as well as J-Rods and Miguel's. Um, but before we jump into there, we're going to talk a little bit about some other things. Um, so, Jared, you came down for DesignerCon. Yes. Uh, but before you went to the convention, you had something else going on Friday. Yes, very busy, Mark. When you're as famous <laughs> as I am, I know you won't understand this. Uh, you're, you're just <laughs> no, very busy. Lots of things to, to schedule. So I did a, a signing at a Wonderground Gallery for part of the Mickey's 90th celebration. I uh, had a new print and some new merchandise out. And uh, 90th it, celebration of what, Jared? Of Mickey Mouse. 90 years of Mickey Mouse. Uh, Ooh. Yes, it's his birthday. 90th. 90th birthday. So is um, he going to be 90 for 10 years and then he'll just hit 100? So will we be celebrating 90 years for the next nine years Well, or I so? think they at the park, I think they do it every year. Like they acknowledge the birthday every year. So it's just this year's a big one. So. Yeah. yeah. Do you yeah, remember? I, I know for Disneyland's birthday, it's always a big deal every like five to ten years. Mm-hmm. They just had was it the diamond celebration was right, sixty the, years. Sixtieth, yes. Yeah. Do you remember? So I, they make a big deal about the Disneyland birthdays, and those go on for oh, quite a while at the parks. Mm-hmm. Do they have? Do you remember them making a big deal about Mickey's previous birthdays, like seventy fifth or eightieth? Uh, you know, I know they did, and I can't remember. The, it kind of all blurs together now. I, I mainly remember the park uh, anniversary. Having thing, yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Uh, but I don't know. I can't remember the last time they did a big Mickey thing where, where it was like. I mean, this is pretty massive. This has gone mm-hmm. across the board, like with uh, cross promotion uh, and stuff. Right. So uh, I don't I think mean, they've ever done it quite this big. You know, um, right? Not that I can remember, but I'm sure you know. People are out there knowing all this information. Yeah, I mean, Much I even saw a me. 90th Mickey birthday toys at Target and everything like that. It's everywhere mm-hmm. now. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's everywhere. Re- like really. <laughs> <laughs> 
Which I'm not uh, complaining. I'm just spending a lot of money right. this Absolutely. year on all this crap that's coming out. I can't help myself. So, oh, speaking of spending a lot of money, um, you just released some more things that people oh can spend goodness. their money on. I spend all my Disneyland. money on Jared's yeah, stuff. One of the worst <laughs> transitions ever, Mark. Thank you for that. Uh, the uh, second series of the um, <laughs> the uh, Kingdom of Fine. Two. There you go. Thank you, Mark. <laughs> This is going to be a rough one. <laughs> yes. Series two, Kingdom of Cute, Blind Box Vinyls released online first, actually, which is rare. Um, they're available on the Shop Disney um, website and uh, a whole new row. I don't even know what the um, the mystery one is for this one. I can't even remember what we did. So I'm curious to see. I didn't get a box on this one. So, oh, so you, I was just going to ask if you've actually seen them yet or received some samples. No, I have not on this one. I did on the first one and on the mm -hmm. Small World ones, but not on this one. So we'll see. I'm excited to see. But get those. They will be available in the park in Wonderground soon. I don't know exactly when and... There's a new shirt out for that with using that pattern from the artwork, which is really cool. So, cool. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. so a bunch of new stuff coming. So um, hopefully by the time this is actually released, maybe it'll be in stores, but we'll see. I don't have a, I don't have an exact date yet. You posted a picture of the, the button up shirt. Was mm -hmm. that you actually wearing it or was that like something you found online? Oh, that was That's him. That I was so nice. Yeah, no. <laughs> you don't recognize no, no. the famous chin. The no. famous chin, and every chin. I always tease Jared like all the workout shirts, all the daily shirts. I'm like Jared only gives everyone the chin. You don't get any more than that. That's how you know it's a Jared pick. Like, oh, they, I always tell them there's that famous chin every time you post a photo. <laughs> so well, I was chin. I was wondering because uh, if you could buy it yet, that's why I was asking. Uh, was yeah, no, it's going to be it. released, uh, I believe, through Wonderground. Um, I think exclusively, but maybe not. We'll see. But that is still coming. So I think by the time the vinyls hit the the store, I'm sure the rest of the line uh, will be available as well. So, yeah. Hey, what what Very. size are those at? Are they the similar to the pin sizes, the figures, or where where are they? I might have missed the it. figures. Are it's uh, they're pretty small. They're like the last series that came out, kind of like the Small World small. dolls. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, about the same size, but they they tend to be a little. There you go. There you go. Um, yeah, oh, we both are, have our own <laughs> Jared. Got the toys oh, I out. That Very one good. too. That Mark has the sword in the yeah. <laughs> so okay, uh, so you're looking at close to three inches almost. Yeah, around yeah, there. that's right. I think that's the actual measurement they give on the box too. And um, okay. it's kind of an interesting blend. Now, Mark, you saw them. What do you think of this line compared to the previous line? Because it seems a little more it, obscure so almost. The last one was a lot of food items mm -hmm. and like retro. Stuff like things that aren't actually in the park today, right? Mm. Um, you have this the skyline ride and the people mover, House right. of Tomorrow, right? right? Isn't there? Is yeah, that this line has a lot of mascots from rides in it. I noticed so they had like the Pirates of the Caribbean skull and crossbones head, mm -hmm. it had one of the parrots from the Tiki Room, mm -hmm. it's got the Yeti in my there, my favorite, my favorite, it's got um, <laughs> one of the characters from the Electrical Parade. So <clears throat> I like this one better because the characters are something I would gravitate more towards than food items, mm. I guess. Um, but yeah, I'm super excited for this one. I probably am going to lose a lot of money trying to get my favorites out of this this lineup here, right. which <laughs> well, Jared is very excited to hear. Here. Yes, very nice, very nice. So I yes. really want that Yeti and um, all the ones that I mentioned too. Um, but yeah, it, this is a, a great lineup. Thank yeah. you. Good to hear. Yeah, excited I'm excited to have them out. So uh, we'll see how these guys do. The first line did really well. So I'm hoping 
we do the same here. We'll see. Are the uh, the small world vinyl toys still available or are those sold out? No, those are still available both online so and in stores. So you can get the small world and yes. version two all at the same time. Yeah, I know. I kind of wish they were spread out a little bit because it's like, for, you know, They're I don't know if it forces people to, to uh, for choose. Christmas. Yeah, that's They're true. Okay. Trying to have uh, enough Jared stuff to fill everyone's stockings. So yeah. everybody go out and buy a case and <laughs> fill everyone's stocking. <laughs> uh, all right. Before we transition to decon, like we're supposed to get together and talk toys and tunes. Mm. So I just so happened to receive some toys today. So I'm going to open it really quick. Okay. I'll show oh. this one then. I have some toys too. So uh, Black Series, I was able to find this at the Disney store. So this is the Phasma. Uh, oh, but it has that oh. battle scar yeah, battle helmet scarred. thing. Yep. And uh, it's pretty cool, actually, for, for a Phasma figure. Um, and then I did get uh, General Veers from... Had to go to Walgreens for that one. <laughs> I, I still cannot get over the Walgreens. Exclusives. I know. Those are so... That's so funny to me. And then the uh, Yoda toy box one. I don't know. That's so much glare on that one. So, But that one's... I really like the way these guys look. So it's one of the better ones. Anyway, that is my toy haul for this recording. All right, so I actually just got this in the mail today. So I'm unwrapping it from the box. Um, but <clears throat> it's interesting because, Jared, you probably remember this. Um, I got the X-Ray Reptar. Right. And so I ordered that like in August, and I, I got that pretty quickly. Uh, but from kind of researching that X-Ray line, I found a bunch of other characters in that same style by the same artist. Right. Uh, and when I was looking at the website, I found like they had adventure time characters and they were super cheap. It was like 15 bucks for them. Yeah. So I got the, uh, Finn and Jake figures. Oh, it's, you can't really see it cause it's glare in the, it's glare in the yeah, uh, packaging. Pretty cool. But it's the, you know, half of the character is a skeleton and the other half is, just regular. And so this is, I ordered this when I, back in August mm -hmm. and it took this long to get here. So I guess Mighty Jacks, I don't know what country they're out of, but somewhere in Asia and it just takes a long time to get here. But the, like the ironic thing is over the weekend, they had a booth at designer con. I saw it. Yeah. So I could have just gone there and picked <laughs> it up in person. But it took them like three months to get the figures to me. So, you know, on that one, like when I was looking at those Adventure Time ones, uh, I think there's a BMO too. Isn't there a BMO? Like, uh, so Kid Robot actually did a BMO one. I think Mighty Jacks did as well. Mm. Um, so they're, it's very similar but different. Um, I think the, the Kid Robot one is larger. Um, and then one through Mighty Jacks that I was actually looking to get. I think one of the components lit up. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that one was sold out online. I actually should have stopped by the booth to see if they had one because sometimes they hold out uh, stock for these live events. Do you think they uh, re-sculpt that whole thing or do you think they use an existing mold and then he does the other half? That sounds like a Miguel question to me. Uh, <laughs> I think that... Um, <laughs> Well, if the figure's been if is the figure been done before without the yeah. dummy fetus look, it had yeah. oh yeah, then they probably can um, take that existing mold and then 
they have to definitely make a new one though too for mm. all the new parts to fit correctly with it so ah, I, see. I don't think it's uh, really a money saver but it's a time saver because yeah i was looking at our, yeah. like the looney tunes ones too and they look mm -hmm. uh, you know i feel like if he had done it from scratch or whoever you know is sculpting these that it would have uh there would have been some variation but it looked too like on model for some of these other ones so uh you know the, the adventure time ones are fairly simple so i could see them mm -hmm. even just doing it from scratch because it's you know there's not much to them but yeah right. i was wondering about that so yeah, what looney is it tunes what is it ones are great uh, what it's is the material Oh, the material, I think it's vinyl. Yeah, it says dissected vinyl art figure. Okay, so most likely if it's a rotocast vinyl, then um, they're definitely, it's all brand new stuff. Mm, okay. Yeah. But yeah, those, I just, I thought that was funny that I ordered this so long ago and I actually was at the booth before I was able to get it mailed to me. Huh. Do you think they did that go into production when you ordered, or was it just no? It, these are old figures, so oh. they're not even. It's not even a new thing. I just, I really liked the the Reptar one that I got. Yeah, and I looked into some of the other ones, and these were, like I said, pretty inexpensive. So right. I grabbed a couple more. Okay, this um, is going to lead into designer con stuff. So I want to see yes. what Miguel's got on his I, desk here. I yeah, everyone's bringing <laughs> out toys, so I figured like this is the perfect Miguel's time. turn because <laughs> I ordered some toys as well, and I haven't Very unboxed nice. them on my Instagram yet because I was so busy leading up to designer con. <laughs> Mine are not new toys. Mine are retro toys, which is fitting, right? Like so, eBay kind of thing, or from I'll shout out my buddy that sells them online. It's from nice. Sorry, all the paper. It's from uh, Zombie Sailor Toys. He does a lot of he sells a lot of retro old vintage toys that he gets cases of still. Okay. I got so, I got to ask you about that. So I know people that resell toys like retro toys like that, they can mark it up like crazy. Is there like I don't know, is there a, a like a best practices on how to get like not gouged on pricing by some of these things like are there more reputable people or sellers out yeah, there I, like I, I recommend i actually get out? a lot of carded i get a lot of carded retro toys from zombie sailor because um, usually what happens i don't know if this is the case for him but usually what happens is there was a lot of cases in existing stock back in the 80s 90s that never got touched or mm -hmm. Uh, when toy stores went out of business, they still had it. And then it got put into probably a warehouse or someone's storage. And years and years later, those cases come out of storage or they go to another toy store all these years later when people forgot there was existing stock left. So you have all these case fresh, unopened cases hmm. that people had. And even to go darker into that, I've heard, don't <laughs> quote me on it, that back in the days, the KB toy stores and all these old older toy stores you know, people would pay like the managers on duty or whoever just to throw some, give them some cases out the back because the people were so in demand oh. of like figures back then to keep them fresh. So people <laughs> still have these cases of figures that never got opened or hit any shelves. And you're seeing those kind of come to light now when someone like uh, knows someone that can get them. And then people are slanging these off of, you know, Instagram <laughs> or like eBay. Drug deals, it sounds it like. It really is, but it's figures, you know. <laughs> so what I have are from 1991 prime time mm. for me to watch this show are american gladiators action oh figures. my gosh nitro <laughs> nitro nitro and the challenger and i have one more to share oh my god i didn't even know I'm they gonna, did toys 
Yep, That's and I'm gonna great. put these. I'll show these on my Instagram story soon. And I have Gemini. I unboxed them on the show right now here with you guys. I've been waiting to take these out. So nice, Pretty exclusive. Awesome. Yeah, squared co exclusive content with Miguel yeah. Wilson. That's and now right. we just have to get it to your your guys' uh, store there to sponsor the podcast for the shout out there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. So uh, you know this guy. Does he uh, does he give you a deal when you do things like that, or is it just like you know what? You can I lie uh, met if you him. want. I met him through Instagram. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I get oh, I get hooked up. So this guy <laughs> hooks me up. The best pricing. No, I met him through Instagram years ago, and I mm -hmm. thought it was pretty cool. He sells a lot of cool retro toys that I didn't have and I wanted. So I remember when he did a run of the old X Men figures. Mm -hmm. I was able to get a lot of them that I wanted from him. So I bought a lot at one time. So he knew like, okay, this guy's, he'll spend some money, I guess, you know? So yeah. since I dropped a pretty nice chunk of change at one time, he usually uh, remembers me. And then next time he'll tell me ahead of time, hey man, I'm going to have another sale coming up. Are you looking for anything? And I'll tell him, you know, and if he can get a hold of it, he will. So is this a physical it. store as well as a website or just a website kind of thing? No, no, no. It's just straight off his Instagram page. Oh, oh wow. wow. Okay. Yes. Yeah, zombie sailor toys. You'll see. Yeah. Okay. He's got a big we'll, have to, we'll put a, we'll put a link in the, in the show notes. <laughs> yeah. He's if, got if a he really wants cool to pay following. for it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Okay. Speaking of zombie toys, or sailor toys. <laughs> yeah. Okay. There it's designer con time. There goes the money for the promo. There. You like that? No. All right. All right. <clears throat> so, uh, designer con, and I'm sure all conventions, but I've only been at designer con with the exception of a very terrible experience. Uh, um, my favorite. <laughs> We, um, <clears throat> so this is the only convention I have experience talking on, but it, I learned so much every single year and then, and it's always a lot of fun to do designer con. Like I said earlier in this episode, this was the first year that it had been at the Anaheim convention center. Previously it was at the Pasadena convention center. Mm -hmm. So I know what it took for me leading up to this. Uh, and we'll talk a little bit about that, but I wanted to hear a little bit about Miguel's crazy mm. preparation Ugh. for Designer Con leading here, up to here the we setup go. date. Yeah, I I was a zombie the week leading up. I went, uh, <laughs> I tried my best to you know prepare my production calendar well ahead of time, but through some hiccups that usually do happen and a few things that were delayed. I literally received the blister card packagings I had made for the Captain Jackson figure like a few days before the event started. So that's mm. actually like one day before setup. Uh, so you, had, you, you just got them and you had to package them all up. I'm sure to, you had other things lined up that kind of were affected by the late arrival of these as well. That's correct. So... Mm. <laughs> it's not so much packaging them because, you know, we only did a run of 25. So the mm -hmm. figures, they fit nice and we dropped the figure and the coin in there. The issue is I wanted to make sure the the card art, that the card that goes inside the blister, the artwork fit nicely and the coin lined up with the text where I wanted it to mm -hmm. and the figure, you know, all that placement was 
perfect because even though you try to make sure the manufacturer uh, has all your measurements right for where the figure is going to sit in the blister card, where the coins, how far it's going to be from his legs or where it's going to be. You got to make sure your art lines up with that. So mm-hmm. it seems like it wouldn't take that long, right? You know, so many tasks when you get close to designer con are in your mind or written down. You're like, I'll just yeah. knock this out. I'll just yep. knock this next step out. <laughs> but once you get going and you're doing it, you're like, wow, that took way longer than I, I should have or I needed it to. So that delays time. I spent some time getting the art cards ready. And, and again, I do everything mostly in-house myself unless mm-hmm. it's, you know, uh, something big that I have to use a manufacturer or uh, use other teammates to help. But I, I this- saw you copy my uh, sweatshop. We got the Squared Coast sweatshop. And then yeah, a few did you days see later, that? Like, I saw the you post yours. Sweatshop. Yeah. <laughs> I saw Mark post his and I was like, that's a good idea. I, sh- I should post some behind the scenes of what's going on over here, too. Yeah. And you know what? Yeah. I, I didn't want to know how far I wanted to take the, the joking around to see I don't know how far <laughs> people's humor would go because I had my whip from when I was Indiana Jones for Halloween. <laughs> so I was going to be like fake whipping the people, helping me out. Like, this is how uh, hard it goes in here. This is like a sweatshop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, uh, I learned from the first year, I like I tried to do everything on my own. And then it was just it was too much. And the second year... I recruited some friends and family to help uh, because like you said, there's like all these tasks, like, Oh, I'll just knock it out. But pinning, mm-hmm. you know, a few hundred pins to backers, right? that mm-hmm. it's really, it's pretty simple and individually like to do one, it only takes a couple of seconds, but when you're doing a couple thousand, it really takes a lot of time to do yeah. that stuff. Yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, one thing I would love to discuss with both of you, especially this is the perfect platform too, is, a lot of people go to designer con or they go to cons and they see small businesses or you see artists in general and mm-hmm. they see f- polished final products and people mostly think of the artwork they're looking at and they just might think you know that's some nice looking artwork but when it comes to presentation and trying to make your stuff your stuff look finalized or your booth look professional and clean i don't think pe- a lot of people don't know what actually goes into that where it's you know, hours spent on graphic design, hours spent on how you want to present your artwork, hours spent on mm-hmm. how you want to run the sales and how you want to give people their goods once they purchase it, whether it be mm-hmm. designing a logo for the bag you're going to give them or it's designing, you know, how you present. One thing I was really impressed with, I'll jump right into, is with your guys' booth, I told you, Mark, at the show, I fell in love with the cards for the Mortal Kombat mm-hmm. like game and that we were discussing how you uh, put together the packaging and it was like a retro uh, kind of sealed packaging of uh, trading cards, stuff like mm. that. You know, that takes thought it takes time, but people only see the final product of that getting handed to them. They don't know the hours of, you know, time and work that went into that, especially I feel like when it looks so professional, it's even more overlooked because people are so used to seeing polished professional products, right. even when they go to right. the store. Right. So, so the, the other stupid thing that I do is I give myself these projects that I've, I fall in love with. And then it's like once I'm mentally committed, I no matter how crazy or how much time consuming it is or how expensive it is, I just like I once I'm committed, I feel like I have to see it through. So <clears throat> like I'm in the same boat. when I when I did the packaging for Jared's cute aid pins, I wanted to do like a mimic the uh the powder the kool-aid powders so that would be the packaging and 
you know, it's no real problem to come up with the die lines to make it fold and fit, but to hand cut them and hand assemble right. them, that takes forever. Make sure everything so, lines up. Even when you, even cutting is an art form, uh-huh. even, hmm. you know, everything to me is an art form. And that's, that's something that I, it's a love hate relationship. Every time I do a designer <laughs> con, it's like, it's really fun to go through that mm-hmm. process and it's an adventure. And you hate it at times because it's so much work, even with a small yeah. team. But you love to see that final product and you love to see people enjoy that. And that, to me, is uh, what was so worth it for me. I know I'm jumping ahead, but like I was working on going back to the week I was struggling. Even aside from doing the blister cards, I'm thinking of how I want to make the signage for certain pricing of products. Mm-hmm. And I'm yeah. thinking in my head, like, oh, this looks so cool. I'm making this look really retro for our booth. And I like this typography I picked. And I mean, I'm using and and in my mind, I, I even think of far, as far ahead to say, like, you know what? Even if one person says, like, hey, this is this is a pretty cool display signs or I like the the font you used. I'd be like, ah, the con would be made like one person <laughs> no, noticed, you know, that that thought process. Uh, it's it's just little things like that. You know, and that those are the things I admire when I go to others uh, people's booths is like wow what a setup you know what, what it's a, funny because went into this this is where designer con is different i think than say like a comic-con or something that's huge uh which comic-con really is in its own world and stuff like that here i think one of the main pressures of doing the booths is that the people the majority of the people that are going to see it i think are other artists and designers and that adds mm. sort of a pressure to it because it's not just people who are looking past us but they notice these things you know they, they are noticing your booth they are noticing uh, just like how Miguel is with toys, they can look at something and say like, oh, they shortcut it there. You know, or here's, <laughs> they didn't do this all the way or, or they could have done it better. Uh, but same thing with the merchandise like you were talking about too. I think one of the great challenges of that, and I don't, I don't do that stuff because I'm not good at that stuff, but um, you kind of don't want them to see the work behind it, right? You just want them right. to look at that and say, this looks like an old pack of cards from, you know, from the 80s or whatever and not say like, oh, they're trying to make this look like an old pack of cards yes. from the 80s. You know, so yes. it's all of that stuff. Like you want them to just pick it up, like the thing for what it is, and not even occur to them about how much sort of uh, effort went into it to to achieve it. Right. Like you want it to feel effortless. I think. Yes, that that's correct. So back to the prep week is that I I didn't really sleep. I finished packaging <laughs> them up with the team. I had a lot of wonderful help from friends and family, and I couldn't have done it without them. But. Uh, and once it got time to go set up, what we did was we brought all the big items on Thursday first. Uh, mm-hmm. So I brought in the our big old you know four foot sign neon sign we have for Rad Retro. I am, which I am so jealous of that thing. Yeah. That is like the <laughs> coolest branded item ever. That thing is unbelievable. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, we get a lot of questions or compliments on that, and like people trip out on it and it's it's so bright i love it i love it because like you could take a picture in the booth and it mm-hmm. looks like you're in like an a retro music video with like different like you have the bright greens and blues on your face well it's yeah. so perfect too is you <laughs> you take pictures with um in where you store it at your house and you do videos there um and it really for what your brand is it fits so well with all of that so automatically any photo you take with that thing in the corner even if it's in the background it kind of elevates what you're doing um, and brings the brand really all together. Right. It's kind of like, where are they? Where is this picture taken? Is it arcade or something? <laughs> yeah. So was that um, 
you don't have to give a number here, but was that a, <laughs> was that an best you know an investment? Let's say uh, to to have something that I mean, because Mark, I know we looked or you looked into. Oh my god, stuff, yeah, but um, I looked into getting one done, and I'm not going to give the numbers out, but it was. It was over a thousand dollars. I'll just say that to get like a small one done, and uh, Miguel's is like huge. Just dwarfs what I was looking to do. Yeah, it's a they're worth a pretty penny. I'll tell you, <laughs> but I uh, I've been um, wanting a neon light for a long time. What's yeah, that? how long? I know that you've been you had to work for months, if not a year, on developing the your products um, as far as the toys and figures go. Mm-hmm. But, how long were you spending, how far back did you go when you're actually spending time on developing what your booth setup would look like? Well, it was actually, the first thoughts were at the end of last year, we were uh, thinking about how we would want to present our latest figures since we knew what we were, what were shooting for for the next year. So that's kind of mm-hmm. where the first thoughts came about. So it was almost a year ago. and But I'd say when we get really serious about it, honestly, it's like, a week or two out where we're like kind of envisioning everything in our minds and saying, okay, this is what we want to do. And then on the actual setup day, we are still like rearranging what we can to get a good feel of where we want everything to be, to finalize. So, so we're, we're you focus primarily on the products. And then once you're there, you try and figure out the best way to highlight what your, your products are. Yeah. So for us every year, we, have something constant, which is we like to display uh, Nerdy Chavez and I are huge r- retro toy collectors. So we always try to bring a little bit of what we have from our personal collection for people to enjoy. Yeah, Although every year that. we get 50 million questions if they're for sale. <laughs> we always, we even, we've tried to put signs out before. It's just for display, but people <laughs> still ask and that's okay. But it's, uh, we, we always have the retro toy collection out. And then mm. now we always have a couple of nice displays for the, figures that we've been creating and then on the tables is usually uh concept art or more uh, product merch like this year we had shirts pins stickers Mm -hmm. all that so it's usually a mix of all that um for us if you guys didn't see all the photos of our booth setup uh we went with a very heavy themed booth setup we also were fairly retro and wanted to do yeah, it was actually we could have we should have been booth neighbors. That, yeah, we that have neon sign would have just elevated us a little bit too, even if it was just in the background, um, catching a little glimpse of that. Um, but yeah, Jared and I we shared a booth space and we themed it uh, like re- retro arcade and video games. So I actually designed like. I, it's pretty close to full scale, if not full scale size arcade units. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think in our last episode, we we tried to dance around the the company that took our idea. <laughs> I don't know, Jared. Are you comfortable saying what it is, or you want to keep dancing? I well, if anyone went, I, they know what I know, it is. <laughs> I know Miguel loves dancing, so he wants to keep dancing around it. <clears throat> That's, speaking of that let's can i <laughs> can i backtrack for a second and talk about being put on the spot because oh, like man. i like i said i, I was doing that to you <laughs> i was dead tired i i 
finally got a little bit of sleep on a <laughs> Friday night, and the first thing and the first person I see Saturday morning is Mark running up to me with the camera <laughs> in my face, talking about, I'm going to start recording in three, two, one, and you're going to dance again <laughs> right now. Like, <laughs> and I'm like literally finishing set up my booth. And it's all right. Uh, well, so since you brought that up, we'll um, <laughs> we'll go down this road for a little bit. So Squared Co. Uh, we were with Jared. We were uh, we took over the Visit Anaheim Instagram stories for Saturday at DesignerCon. So we were supposed to be like the eyes and ears of DesignerCon for the Visit Anaheim Instagram. Uh, and I knew about this earlier in the week, so I texted Miguel. I was like. Yo, we got this opportunity to take over the Instagram of Visit Anaheim. I really want to get you get you at your booth, and I think it'd be good if you danced. I think that'd draw a lot of people to your booth. No, I want to, Jared. Now I know how you feel. Like that's what Mark's interpretation was. Can I tell you what the text really said? Look at Jared's already shaking his head. Say like it. I know Say how it. this goes. The real text from Mark was like. You're gonna dance, like be ready, like be ready to bust a move. You're going to dance. Like it was not like him saying, I think it'd be a good idea, like right. maybe you should, right? Well, but, it was a good idea. And but back on track, sorry. I, I do want you to finish describing your booth because I did love it. So I'm sorry I oh, no, no. back to it, dancing. It, so it's all good. Um Yeah, so we we spent a lot of time developing what the booth would look like. <clears throat> and it's, I don't know if I'd say it's funny. Jared probably hates this, but when, so I originally designed the cabinets to all be like one piece. So one solid piece that you just fold and it would come together in a unit once you're done folding it. But we printed it on foam core and the printer didn't have any foam core pieces large enough to print it on one piece. So after my original design, um, which was one piece, wouldn't work, I had to sort of disassemble my original thought and idea and re-put piece together the panels in a different way. Um, I didn't make like a paper dummy to make sure that all the folds would work. Obviously not at scale, like on a, a much smaller scale. I didn't do the uh, a paper dummy. So when... We got to the convention with all of the foam core pieces ready to fold and assemble. There was a tiny chance that it would not have worked at all because I didn't print it out ahead of time and make sure it folded together. Luckily, it all worked together. It was all got put together. And actually, there was one issue. Mm. One of the, So this is all my fault. I did not... I went to the printer, picked up all the panels, and just threw it in our van. And I did not do an inventory check to make sure that all of the stuff I ordered was actually there. So once we put the panels together, we were missing one of the faces of one of the arcade units. And with if you're missing one of the pieces, you can't assemble it all because it kind of fits together and every piece supports each other. So without this one panel one of the arcade units would not get put together. And this was Thursday that we were putting this together. The convention started Friday night. So I had to scramble, call the printer, and oh. get them to print it that day and overnight it. They didn't oh. 
finish the panel until Friday morning. So they had to call a, like a private courier service to get it personally delivered to us in time to make it. So it was like down to the minute uh, setting up Friday before the convention opened to the public. Oof, it sounds stressful as well. <laughs> that was that was not fun, but it all came together barely with any time left to spare. It looked great. I, I, I thought it, I thought it turned out really good. Yeah, I was uh, impressed, and uh, I love the '80s grid on the walls behind it. It was a nice touch. <laughs> the angle oh, yeah. grids. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure if you're listening to this, you probably follow us online uh, or on Instagram, so you saw all the pictures. Um, but let's move on past the setup and the pre-setup. Uh, again, this was a new space, so I want to see hear hear from both of you guys. What were sort of your expectations um, or concerns or thoughts going into this year's Designer Con being at its new location at in Anaheim as opposed to Pasadena? Jared, you want to start? Oh, um, well, I think we talked about this a lot already. We talked about this quite mm. a bit leading up to it, I think. And it's, it's the same thing that we've kind of said over and over again. But of course... Going to a larger venue means larger, uh, you know, um, a larger space, but means more people in general, uh, more uh, vendors, I should say. And that we knew right away, we knew early on that there were going to be larger vendors, larger industry vendors. Too. Mm-hmm. So I think that's just everything. The, the Pasadena location was sort of charming and small. And this thing has always been about sort of independent artists and, uh, you know, started out as a toy thing mostly and then moved into uh, what it is today. Um, so I mm-hmm. think everyone was worried that we were going to lose that feeling and that it was going to become another WonderCon, which, you know, WonderCon takes place at Anaheim as well. So uh, I, I think people were concerned that the, what made DesignerCon interesting and original was was going to be abandoned in order to sort of just grow this thing to as big as they possibly can. So I think that was my concern leading leading mm-hmm. into it. Yeah. I was curious to see how it was going to turn out now, like you were mentioning with the big little bit, um, the bigger companies involved, mm. uh, a lot more, a lot more vendors. You know, I was a little concerned last year, if anything, or the, I'd say two years ago, that was the year um, they opened up the second room in Pasadena. And uh, that wasn't a concern. I was like, oh, no, like, is are people going to be able to see and know to go into this other room right. type of thing? Were you put in that other room? I was, you, and I'm not trying to act bitter, but I had been <laughs> in designer con like two, three years. Go ahead, I got be bitter. Kind of, it's it's funnier got, if you're bitter. <laughs> I got pushed out of the mix into the other room, but yeah. you know what? It was bittersweet because they had carpet in there. A lot of people did show up in the other room after all, and we had a great time in there. And so uh, I actually got spoiled. So for two years, I was in that room, the last two years, and it was carpeted and it was nice so it was funny this year we we were into the this convention center to be back on that concrete and it was like oh i missed that carpet we had last year (laughs) yeah Yeah. oh that was a super surprising thing for me being on the concrete all day walking around standing sitting getting up and just on that really hard surface my feet were dying at the end every day like they actually hurt after every single day yeah it takes a toll on you just makes me feel like so Jared says nothing. Jared's like, I'm, I was fine. Every time I, was, I saw yeah, Jared, I he was, was moving <laughs> so fast. I felt like he floats <laughs> everywhere. Jared's like just everywhere. 
Jared had the sweetest kicks kicks. That's right. Which probably had like extra super support. They were like actual basketball shoes. And yeah, I he had, did. I was trying to be a stupid cool guy and wear my like sneakers around and it it definitely cost me some comfort. <laughs> so what about yeah. you, Mark? What was your concern? Was that the same for you or was there? Yeah, it's definitely different? the same. Um, uh, yeah, I, I don't want to continue repeating the same thing. But yeah, I definitely agree with all the points that you brought up, Jared. Um, I was kind of hopeful that it would bring in a lot more people and it would I don't know, be not busier, but yeah, just have be more successful in terms of numbers and people walking through. So added exposure, added uh, potential sales and all of that. Um, so, yeah, I was hoping with the bigger change of venue that we would also get a bigger flux of new eyeballs and customers. Mm-hmm. Um, right. But yeah. This was, yeah, it was, okay, I'm going to, so we can jump into the actual (laughs) convention now. I'm thinking like, what about where are, where were you guys, let's say, preview night? Because I know I talked to a lot of Mm. artists that had very strong opinions about preview night and their thoughts on it and if it was necessary this year, because that was a new thing. It it was really slow. Um, okay, I don't know right. how exclusive they wanted the VIP day to be. Right. Um, so yeah, maybe we should explain that too. So tickets were it was it was additional, right? To to be able to be a, get a VIP ticket, you paid more to get right. Friday night from what five to nine. To nine. Yes. And so just these people that had VIP tickets were allowed to come in. The first people a day in, early. Right. 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 Okay. And go ahead, Mark. I didn't mean to. Well, I didn't oh, yeah, need to no. cut you off, but I <laughs> so no, no, that's important. This was another added element yeah. that was they didn't do this at Pasadena previously. It was just the Saturday and Sunday, right? Um, so this was another right. new element new. to uh, DesignerCon this year. Um, yeah, I I didn't really understand what its purpose was. If some vendors had different, like exclusive VIP merchandise out that day like what was the real incentive and reason for that um it did feel very very slow though and yeah we didn't get a lot of foot traffic that day Um, right well i would imagine it would be to get i mean you'd buy that because you want first dibs at the things i mean it's it's not like a weird preview night where you can only look and like get a peek at what's coming it was Mm. like you had first dibs at buying a lot of this stuff unless vendors chose to hold it back until we actually did that yeah yeah so that's what (laughs) i mean that would have been your call right yeah we we did preview night as just preview night we didn't want to take away from everyone to get a chance to buy a rad retro figure. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Although I guess that was also kind of the point of preview night, people that could get it first, but we wanted to, there's already an hour early let in on Saturday morning, right? For VIPs. So, right. Yeah. I think every day, if you had the VIP, so you got the extra day and then you got in an extra hour. Right. um, So Friday night, we only sold like the smaller merch with like pins, stickers, magnets, and then the figures were just to, just for show. And then mm-hmm. Saturday morning, we we opened everything up at our booth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I actually, I'm not going to name any artists here, but I noticed on Friday there were, I probably saw, I think, three booths that were actually completely vacant. And I was like, oh, maybe, you know, they changed their mind or they something happened with a flight or whatever. 
but I've followed back around Saturday and they had their booth ready. So right. I, I thought that was a little bit interesting. I don't know if that was a decision on them to not participate on Friday or if it was like, yeah, something I mean, that had to do with travel issues. I know some artists that just had to work. Yeah. You know? mm. Some artists, um, they don't have a elaborate booth set up and they... Mm. Um, would have been able to come after work to set their booth up on Friday night, mm -hmm. but it was preview night, so they just decided to come super uh, leave early. It. Yeah, leave it Saturday. and go early on Saturday morning mm -hmm. and get it going. So mm -hmm. I know I, I knew some artists that did that as well. So there was no one there at their booth Friday night. I did like that we had two, pretty much two days to set up the booth. So it took yes. a lot of stress off having to get it all done in one go. So that that was a nice thing, um, having the extra the preview night because essentially you get that whole morning to set up as well as opposed right. to just one day before. Well, it's ridiculous right. because these big vendors obviously have to be in there days before, you know, like right. so they're going to be in there. It's not like no one's going to have access or there's another thing that's coming in right before us or something. So um, I will say, in conjunction with that, the 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 passing of information from the DesignerCon folks was terrible. We, you know, okay, like this I thought that was just me. <laughs> this information could have me. been to all of us, I think, much earlier. I mean, I don't see how some of these people planned around it if they were coming from like the East Coast or something and you needed to know when you were going to be able to actually access the, you know, the center and how it was going to run. So right, I found right. that frustrating. The, the information did eventually come and they had a website obviously for it. But um, I, I found that like really frustrating. Like there's a huge gap of silence from when we signed up for the booth mm -hmm. to when the actual flow of information for setup started to happen. And I think even that flow, once it started was like sporadic and like a little confusing. So was that the same yeah. for you, Miguel? Yes, that is a good point. I actually hadn't thought about until now, but um, I did have to kind of hustle on my own to uh, search for certain information mm -hmm. and, and send out emails and reminders of, hey, you know, what's what's going on, uh, you know, and then get directed, like you said, to the website a lot. And and uh, yeah, I mean, definitely things could be a little more organized as far as an itinerary goes ahead of time and mm -hmm. to let mm -hmm. people even... even um, you know, like you said, providing more information early on as far as when to un when to unload your stuff and what time's a good time to get there, right. and where what entrances and uh, all that type of stuff could be given, yeah, a little earlier. Yeah, yeah. What about you, Mark? I mean, I, the, well, the funny thing is, I signed up for the booth and then you got the emails. <laughs> like, I never got yeah, the emails. <laughs> I and but even the emails were very. I, I wouldn't go so far as to say cryptic, but they weren't very clear. Yeah. So they, they had little, it was like every month they would do one update with information. Um, and it was like you had to piece them together. Mm -hmm. They eventually ended up all on like, there's like a vendors only area of the website, DesignerCon website, where you can kind of look at all the previous information, but it was not presented very clearly uh, and easy to understand. So uh, what's funny is how, frustrating how to, little information would have been required, you know, like mm -hmm. we should have known months ago that like you will be able to access the convention center on Thursday morning, you know, like just little things like that. And then the details can kind of can kind of tumble in. But um, I started to get kind of stressed that we didn't know <laughs> this stuff until the very end, pretty much. Like I would say like maybe a week or two before, like we started really mm. getting a trickle of information. 
Yeah, I don't know about you guys, but I get excited. Like, I'm the type of person, if I'm going to go to an event or con, I like seeing the exclusive somewhere on a website. Mm. I like reading up. I like reading up about a lot of things and learning what's going to be happening there, what's going to be happening at the event. I'm just someone that always likes to do his homework and, and read up about it. It's exciting to build up to the show. Yeah. So for myself, I wanted to... Uh, Obviously, we can get into later. We did the uh, the fun scavenger hunt at our booth this year, and you guys were involved, mm -hmm. the Star Search. And um, I wanted to put that on their site as like an exclusive, you know, mm -hmm. rad retro token you get. But by the time I asked them for that, and same thing, it was kind of hard in the emails to figure it out. By the time I had asked, uh, that date had passed. Yeah, we for to submit exclusives for the website. So little things like that, like you said, I mean, it could have been a little bit on me as well, but I was in the same boat as you, Jared, is like, I usually sign up, but the emails were going to my partner and he was locked out of his email. So he wasn't even getting them. <laughs> oh, and I was trying to contact somebody to get the email switched back to me. Yeah. And like I said, by the time that happened, I mean, I'm sure they're busy and they get a lot of emails, but I was in the same kind of runaround that you were talking about. So, Mark, I, this is the first year that I've been involved in the um, sort of behind the scenes of this booth stuff. You did it last year where you had your own booth, actually. How was it? Uh, was it better last year or any different or about the same? Um, it was simpler. So the previously at the Pasadena Convention Center, it was just you basically get the entire day the day before to set up. So I don't necessarily. To be honest, I don't remember how that trickled out to us, but knowing that that's how it would be, you found comfort in just relying on the same information. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's always been the day before. And again, because it's at a new spot, there's a lot of new rules going around. We don't know how the convention staff is going to be treating the vendors. Right. I was So this was a weird thing. I was under the impression that <laughs> the convention center has a union and they offered this actually as a service, but I thought we had to use the union workers mm. to unload our product and booth setup right. to our booth. Well, yeah, um, right, right. And because I think there's other conventions where you actually do have to use them and it's part of the booth cost. Oh, yeah. Um, like at Comic-Con. Sorry. When we... Yeah, uh, yeah. We used to do shows at Comic-Con. You are not allowed to do any heavy lifting or any use any right. power tools. They, you have to use the Freeman workers. You have to use the union workers to do mm. everything for your booth, you know, or else you get in trouble pretty much. So I um, was under the impression that's, that's how it was here. I'm glad and, it wasn't. Though. Yeah. Oh, totally. And yeah, it, it wasn't luckily, but I had no idea. They didn't say one way or the other how it was going to be. I think just because it was a new everything a new city new venue they maybe weren't aware that there would be so much anxiety and questions going into what are the changes they kind of just trickled out information that they thought everybody needed to hear that's and yeah that's interesting because i always think you never complain that there's too much information <laughs> right right we know too much yeah, but um, I mean, if that's the case, you just ignore or dismiss some of it. But we definitely did not get that much. Yeah. Um, so moving on past preview night, unless you guys have anything to add to that. No, no, just I wanted to um, again, like I told Jared off the air that 
I felt like I was kind of getting a little run down and under the weather. So preview night was when it was starting to hit me. <laughs> and if anyone came by the booth and Jared even said he, he thought I was a little mellow, uh, <laughs> I apologize. But, you know, I tried to keep my spirits high and, and, and be as bubbly and friendly and outgoing as I usually am. But I was under the weather most of this con, so... I don't know. Just throwing it out there. <laughs> <laughs> so, it's okay. We, we forgive you. So would you guys say, let's wrap up this part then. Would you guys say like, yeah. don't do a preview night next year or just do it differently? I think if they're going to do a preview night, you want to figure out a way to make it, I don't know, not so exclusive that it's like a ghost town because then it doesn't really make sense. Or maybe shorter. The, like that's a long yeah, time to go for it was. the first night. It like was. maybe you go like seven to nine or something like that or, or just chop five it down. to seven. Yeah, yeah. Even earlier, you know, five to seven. Something. I don't know if they're trying to build to something where it's going to be three full days and this was kind of like the segue into adding a day. So they just did a half day. Um. Yeah, I'm not well, sure what the real incentive yeah. was or reason behind this preview night. I'll but, just yeah. keep it 100% real right now. <laughs> <laughs> and say, without mentioning any other names, everyone I spoke to that I knew just said that they felt like it was so slow, it was just kind of a waste, that they felt like mm-hmm. it wasn't necessary yet for everyone to be in there that long that night. And that's that was the word that I had gotten from multiple vendors I spoke to. I didn't mind it personally. I thought it was cool. Uh, just it was like to me, it felt like a practice run for the rest of the weekend. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, the, everyone I spoke to, they weren't they weren't the biggest of fans of it. So that's uh, you know. mm-hmm. not yeah. yet. I think it's early for that third day to be added yet. Maybe eventually, um, especially in a new new place mm-hmm. we weren't even used to. Yeah. Now. Uh, and then when you think of all these little artists and stuff for there, adding that third day is is quite a challenge, I think, for a lot of people. Uh, but, mm-hmm. you know, financially and traveling and leaving work behind and stuff. So yes. I think yes. we're not quite there yet. Unless it's specifically for like, it's the Funko Day. You know, it's Funko Friday. You can see the Funko booth <laughs> early yeah. or something. Yeah. And, but I don't know. that. So that would make more sense. If you're a huge brand like that and people just want to race over to get those exclusives, Sure. Yeah. Maybe have like a wing that is access early or something. Right. Like that. Okay. Um, that, but yeah. Yeah. In general, the so the one thing that I like most about Designer Con, and I don't know how long it's going to maintain this, but Jared, you kind of said it earlier. It's all of the booths are manned by you're you're looking at products produced by the person sitting behind the merch table. Mm-hmm. So it's all individual creatives. It's all people that are producing this artwork or these products, these toys. Um, and if you're a fan of it, you can actually meet the person. So I like that it's yes, a, it's a very nice community where you can meet the the creative right there. <laughs> yes, it was. I mean, that's always been the thing with that. It's like. It was, it's smaller and it's intimate. It feels intimate. It's not like that's, you're seeing, That's the word. You're not like, uh, yeah, like um, someone else mentioned that before too, that you're not talking to a rep for the company who just, you right. know, you are most oh. likely talking to the artist like, who created this thing in front of you. Yeah. Like E3, let's say you're at an E3 video game convention. You're, yeah. you're not talking to the designers of or, the game. You're talking or to Or even Comic-Con with the exception of like Artist Alley and some of the other booths there. You're talking to a salesman or a rep. Uh, it's not the person responsible or even like just a toy shop or comic shop employee. 
Um, I think that was still uh, the case this year, though, wouldn't you say? Like, I mean, uh, there, I don't know so much that the, um, I mean, there were the addition of the big corporate ones, which was uh, obvious, but I think the other booths seem to maintain from the previous year. Yeah, no, definitely. It, I think a lot of, once you're in this decon circuit, it seems like the same people kind of return um, and a few new additions get added. Um, but yeah, that's the thing that I still like about designer cons. Yeah. There's a lot of people that come here and you, they're, they're showcasing their work. Um, and then as a result of that, you know, we're, f- we're a pretty friendly community. So it's nice to be able to have that camaraderie. And it's almost like a, a reunion every year to, you get to see these people again. For mm-hmm. us, we got to meet uh, for the first time and re-meet uh, a lot of people we've had on the podcast. <laughs> um, so that's always, for me, that's actually probably the most fun part of it is to reconnect with a lot of these people. Yeah. Oh, no, absolutely. This is yeah. like the, uh, like I said, it's the end of the year party where you get to see yeah. everybody that you see maybe once or twice a year and sort of catch up with everybody. I mean, I know for some people this is, they're there to make money, no question, that they can't afford mm-hmm. to just, you know, come hang out. But I've always, the situation for me has always been that I've been a part of someone else's booth or a bigger booth. So to mm-hmm. me, it's always like, sell what you do and then go run around, say hi to everybody and eat candy <laughs> and stuff. Yeah, so. Yeah, that's that's the, uh, that for me is the, I don't want to say struggle, but that's the balance that I try to hit mm-hmm. every year mm-hmm. is you hit it perfectly when you said, Mark, that, um it's nice because you kind of every, everyone is very friendly. Mm-hmm. Always at Designer Con, everyone kind of knows the struggle, I think, and knows the uh, the grind that's needed to put together your own booth and to get all your products ready and and the excitement of it. And then also at the same time, it is like a reunion. Like that is a time I catch up with so many friends and people I know that are working in the industry or that people that are you know putting out new products for designer, whatever it may be. You get to catch up with them, but that balance for—that's the balance for me. Is I always feel like, let me know what you guys think. I always feel like there's never a good time for me to step away from the booth because every time I do, there'll always be mm-hmm. those so and so came by and they missed you. Yeah, like, I was just there for like an hour yeah. and I didn't see anyone that needed me yet. You know what I mean? <laughs> so like, then people maybe, were coming. maybe yeah. Friday turns into vendor night. Where you can kind of <laughs> wander away from your booth, there it is. with everyone set up, but you can just kind of talk and like yeah. socialize. Because I feel so bad. So sometimes, like in the mornings, I know vendors like to come around right before it opens yeah. to kind of go see people and mm-hmm. catch up. And for me this year, it was a little difficult because I'm putting in our prototype figures into display cases, and I'm setting up these figures that are fragile. Some of them. And people would come by to try to catch up and talk, and I would feel terrible if. Like- Get away like, from like, me. Yeah, I'm like, oh, it's good to see you. Thank you for stopping by. But I'm so laser focused on getting the display right. set up. And so it's a little, it, it, it's a tough balance, like I said. And then I feel bad. Like I try to give them attention. But at the same time, I'm trying to finish set up the booth, you know. Yeah. So then I, I kind of cut you off, Mark, because I like to control everything. Uh, at the very beginning, you started to talk about the actual physical space. So was there something you mm-hmm. wanted to say? Because that's something we can kind of talk about. I think that was yeah. one of the bigger issues is that we're in a new venue and like a new building and a new setup. What did you think? Is that where you were going with that? Yeah. So the layout, it's a, it was a much bigger, bigger convention hall. So there's a lot more space. Um, I I've heard that there was a lot more vendors. It didn't necessarily feel like there was a lot more vendors. It felt like 
it was almost the same amount, but they just spread them out across this bigger space. Mm. So there weren't that many aisles, but the aisles were like maybe three times as wide as they were last year at Pasadena. And I think as a consumer, that's great because everybody hates bumping elbows. Like at Comic-Con, you can't walk anywhere without running into somebody. Like mm-hmm. every single aisle, that place is like at capacity all the time, super busy. There's thousands of people going in and out of this one convention hall. Um, so it is a benefit if you are a consumer or a customer walking around having these big open walkways. But as a vendor, it's kind of tricky and could end up being a bad thing because if you're walking down an aisle, I think the average consumer will go up one aisle, then go to the next one, go down that aisle, then go to the next one. If you're just going up and down each aisle one time, you have to visually commit to the left or right side. And with the aisles being as wide as they were, if you committed to looking down the right side and our booth is on the left side, we could be completely overlooked Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. unless you are actually going to the convention and seeking out our booth. Um, if, but for the most part, we want conventions are meant to kind of get the attention of new fans or followers or customers. So if somebody misses our booth, that's a missed opportunity that we won't get again. Yeah. Right. What did you think, Miguel? What did you think of the physical space this time as opposed to Pasadena's? Hmm. Besides the I, hurt feet on the concrete. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I can see that happening. I can see um, the everyone's excitement level and you know eagerness to get through the whole con that they're going up and down the aisles and they're so wide that you might not swivel your head to, to, to look at both sides. Right. You might miss something. Uh, I definitely see that happening. But um, there was also something nice about having all that space. It kind of felt a little more breathable to me. Mm-hmm. Like everyone had space to get around each other and everyone had space to move around without it feeling so like you're in a nightclub shoulder to shoulder. Right. Because it got right. like that. And it got like that in some aisles or like you're at Comic-Con where it gets so packed in there. I did like that, at least where our booths were by, you know, we had that sneaker lab, little VIP seating area. We had that low rider car over there. We had like a DJ booth and everything never seemed too compact with all that. It still seemed like people could walk around it. Yeah. So, yeah. I think nice. it's it's a weird, almost like a psychological aspect where like at Pasadena, whether you were doing business or not, you always felt busy because it was so tight and like, like right. there was never not a crowd down your row because there was so little room that you know, it just, just to pass through, it would get congested and slow. So I think it felt very busy, probably more so right. than it actually was. Whereas this time I found that we would get sort of bursts of busyness and then you could go a little bit where it seemed like there's nobody on your row <laughs> and then mm-hmm. uh, just things like that. So I don't know if that's more psychological just to, because, you know, of the space, but I, I think the setup felt, and I think this was more in the other room than where we were, 
there's a little wonkiness to sort of how they set up some of these things. Like the middles seemed similar, but then when you go to the very ends or the corners, it got a yeah. little like weird and like big open spaces between yeah. rows and yeah, that I, stuff. I, I would have been upset had I been placed in one of those weird right. corners. I I noticed that. I want to say something about that too. Like it, it became kind of disjointed where it wasn't straight aisles at some point. Mm-hmm. It, it got... There's huge gaps for some reason. And then and people were you, pointing and facing in like weird directions. Yes. That yeah, it yes. wasn't like straight lines all the way through. And then uh, one of the good things about the Pasadena Convention Center, you know, it, like Miguel was saying, they added that second room a little bit late in the, the, the later years, the past few years at Designer or in Pasadena. But they also had um, like a panel room. So if you wanted to hear a discussion and hear live interviews or talks about a specific topic, you can go into, like, I don't know what it was called, but the panel hall, and you could focus on the talks being had. Mm -hmm. Um, And this one, this this past weekend, they had, I don't know if you guys had a chance to see this, but their panel was in the corner of the whole building. Mm Mm-hmm. It, it wasn't walled off. It wasn't a set, a separate area. It was just the corner. Right. So there was like a one of the bigger booths had like a DJ playing music really loud. So it was a lot of competing noises and speakers going off. So if if I actually was interested in listening to one of these panel discussions, it would have been so distracting that I probably wouldn't have been able to even hear what was going on. Well, I think, I mean, to me, it feels a lot of these things feel like a little con pretending to be a bigger con. Uh, you know, like mm-hmm. the uh, Star Wars Celebration, uh, D23, these huge ones where they do have sort of endless areas of space. They do do similar things, right? Where there's a stage here and it's these people and then over here is another stage, but it's right in front of these booths and stuff. And they, they're able to pull it off because I think they can situate it correctly um, yeah i think they plan it better so it's like they know they can set off a right. standing room only area and they know you know we have this many speakers we'll set it to this level so if you stand in this area you should be able right, to hear right. the panels i don't think they they did as good of a job as that no because it was it was at best confusing and then when there yes. was nothing <laughs> happening there, it looked like just this huge gap, in, in like like yeah. they didn't fill it or something like that. So, uh, but I, I, you know, I, I bet I'm sure there are lessons learned for them too. I'm sure they didn't think it went off right. without a hitch. But right. um, yeah, I would agree that the physical setup uh, could be better thought out maybe <laughs> next year. So you you said lessons learned. That's something I want to talk about too. Um, so, Miguel, how many years have you been doing DesignerCon? This was my sixth year, I believe. Oh, so wow. I just finished oh, my wow. sixth year. You're an old veteran here now. Yeah. Uh, and I'm sure you learn things over the years. I know for definitely I learned something every single year um, doing this convention. Uh, what are some of the... It doesn't have to necessarily be from this year, but what are some of the, the learning lesson or lessons learned by doing designer con over the past six years? Hmm. Well, that's a, that might've been five, a big five question. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot I can, of lessons I can, learned. I mean, I can no, start it, with something uh, while you kind of think about it. Um, and Jerry, yeah, you can sure. answer this too. Oh, thank so you. I think okay. one of the, like the biggest lessons that I've learned, and I learned this the first year and I, it gets reinforced every single year. 
and I try to address this this issue in different ways. Um, and that is, if it does not, if it's not out on display, consumers and customers do not know it exists. So I will yes. elaborate a little bit on that. Um, the first year that we did DesignerCon, we had a lot of prints available. And we don't have the physical space to, you know, have it plastered on a wall somewhere or situated behind us or on the table. So I thought it would be a great idea to have a flip book or a flip rack so you can go through every page and see all of our products and prints. That thing sat there. A couple people maybe flipped through some pages, but if it wasn't posted on a wall or laid out flat on a table... It did not sell. So the second year, last year, uh, I invested in these portable walls. Heavy, and we big, ma- heavy we made, walls. Yeah, they're big wooden walls. And uh, I essentially turned our booth space into a mini gallery. So the walls I filled up with different artwork, and which was great because I had more art up on display. But then we ran into the same issue. We had a lot more prints available uh, for sale. But if it wasn't on the wall, people didn't pay attention to it and didn't purchase anything. This year, we I had a poster flip rack that we purchased from uh, Toys R Us when they went out of or were going out of business, um, which was great. But it's still I we did make some sales off of the flip rack. I was hoping it would be more impactful, um, but still, probably 90% of the sales were from something that was prominently displayed. Um, So I'm continually relearning this lesson that if it's not out in your face, uh, it almost doesn't exist to the customers. You're 100% correct. (laughs) So that is a a, um, lesson that I have learned, and even to take it a step further, is um, you can't expect everyone also to read signs <laughs> or to read him to read it, and it's not even supposed, not even as a negative thing. Like it's it's just that people are so excited, people are in a rush, people drop by your booth. A lot of times, people won't read displays on or menus. Yep. People like uh, I've learned over the years, people love using the sense of touch or sight. So if they could pick something up to look at it and feel it in their hands, if they can visually see it and touch a product, they're more engaged and eager to want to buy it. So a great example is this year, I had a um, torso mannequin that for the um, werewolf t-shirt I had designed, I had a mannequin wearing the shirt, but I didn't have any of the shirts on the table that were in the poly bags to buy, Mm -hmm. like the actual product. I was gonna, I'm thinking, there's a sign out that there's shirts for sale. If you'd like one, you let me know, or my my partner know, Mm -hmm. and we'll get you one, right? That's how it was preview night. Sales weren't really going as how I thought they would for the shirt that night. The next morning, I said, uh, you know what? Why don't we put some of the T-shirts in the poly bag on the actual table? People can grab it and look at the shirt in the bag, like how presentable it is, you know? And that's when we started selling more shirts. So that's exactly what you're talking about is that people need to see it in front of them. People need to see the product in front of them, you know? And that's how it is. That's how it goes, you know? 
comes down to like all those terrible things you hear about advertising and, and stuff where you don't want it to be true, but then you're in these situations <laughs> where you, you need to make yeah. money, you need to move merchandise and all of those <laughs> awful things are proven to you like within minutes, how people, <laughs> how people don't read, how they want to touch it. But I will say I do the same thing where you walk up to a booth and, and this was kind of a problem with these smaller cons, I think, where people aren't as geared towards the presentation you walk up and you're kind of like i i don't know what are you what are is this art did you do the art are these t-shirts you know what <laughs> what's for sale here are you know are you just reselling yes. this stuff or are this your stuff so i think like yeah. you're competing for like what a window of probably like 10 seconds to get these people to stop walking by and come over mm-hmm. and look i think one of the advantages of, of of mark doing sort of the um very visual arcade theme was that it not that we were selling only arcade things, but you can latch on to that right away and see that this is the theme. They're going to have some arcade thing stuff here and kind of draw you in to take a look and um, pick stuff yeah. out. Also, what worked with that is that you wanted to look if it was a real game, mm-hmm. what's going on with these arcade themes. So when you walked in there and you looked at them, it was great that the products were big on the arcade cabinet screen. Right. So people would say, oh, I like this Ninja Turtle one. What? Oh, they have these Ninja Turtle products with this game. Right, right, right. Um, that, that, that was good. Yeah, and, um, I mean, I think that that's where, I mean, I, it's not always easy to do a theme for every booth, especially if you're a smaller, just a table or something like that. But I think having something sort of impactful other than just a pile of stuff on your table, uh, certainly how I mean, you've had that amazing sign and and all the um, the display mm-hmm. booths, which kind of made you come closer and stuff. I think I think that stuff's really important. I, I mean, was there any booth out there that you guys saw that you were really impressed by that you can remember, even if you don't remember the name? Um, but was there any like element or something that that you thought like that's a great idea? Because I think this is a struggle for probably a lot of people who do these kinds of shows. How do you yeah, stand out? Yeah, I think out? for a, an individual creative that you know that isn't a brand, they're doing it themselves. It is definitely a struggle. Um, I'm gonna feel so bad as I have no idea how to say his name, but you know who I'm, you both know who I'm talking about. It's like Rhodey, R H O D E. Road Montijo. He does a lot. Yes. yes. He does a lot of Halloween themed and like fall inspired yes. desi- art and design. And his display is always, he always utilizes a lot of uh, personally drawn on like cardboard and he cuts out cardboard pieces on his own. I think it's it's a really fun theme um, and it, it fits his brand mm-hmm. and what he's doing. Um, I really like what he's doing with his brand and his booth design and display. Um, but yeah, other than some of the same booths that stick out normally, yeah. I, I can't say that there were any new ones that really caught my attention other than that, uh, road, say his last Montijo. name. Montijo. Yeah. <laughs> Montijo. Yeah. Yeah. His stuff is really impressive and I, he's got a great style and yeah, I really like his brand, but yeah, I was even some of the bigger brands, obviously Funko have their huge cereal display in the corner there. Like you cannot miss that if you're in that hall. And then there was a giant T-Rex, but that wasn't necessarily a brand. That was a, to promote the gallery show. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm trying to think. What? Oh, Pugly. Do you know the little mm-hmm. cute that they had a fun thing. I actually didn't get to walk through it, but I saw Dave. I think it was Dave Pryor posted a picture that they had this little house and you could walk through it. And in the house was just a ton of their product. 
uh, like a stuffed animal pug hanging from the ceiling. So you walked through a bunch of like floating pugs in this. Yeah, house. they're like in donuts or something, like inflatable donuts. Yeah. Or something. very cute. So if you have the opportunity to do something that, I mean, that's a huge booth setup and that's a huge investment to be able to custom build something like that. But that one stood out to me. What about you, Miguel? Um, Was there one that you remember or, or just like the setup? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, you know what? I'm a little sad that I, I didn't, I, I don't feel like I got to really take everything in hundred percent. Like I wanted to, to go all the yeah. way yeah. down. I just, I always felt like I would be away for a while and maybe get caught up in a certain area of booths and look around and then I'd head back to mine. But it's okay um, for you to say booth three, two, eight. Miguel, <laughs> totally fine. Totally fine. I always ended up getting all kinds of sweets uh, yeah, fed to me at the, the Squared Co. booth. Man, I got a ca- all kinds of cavities now. No, but um, yes, dear. one booth in general on track uh, is, um, he always kills it, is Alex Pardee. Uh-huh. I don't know if you guys mm. saw Alex Pardee's booth. He killed it at Comic-Con this past year. He built like a whole front side of a house for the back of his booth and all kinds of crazy decorations with themed with his, you know, crazy monsters and whatnot. And at DesignerCon this year, he had his whole big old monster statue right next to his booth for photo ops and too scary and a really cool, <laughs> yeah, scary setup. Um, I didn't get a chance to talk to him at this DesignerCon. Um, it sucks, you know, when you don't catch people at, while they're at your, your their booth or you're at yours. But I always like the creativeness and the thought he puts into. Uh, to set up his, his booth and, and designs. So yeah. That's pretty cool. There, there seemed to be a lot of like, um, like the ones we mentioned were all good, I think, but there seemed to be a lot more mm, garbage this time. <laughs> I, I don't mean that meanly. I mean, mm. I think everyone gets what I mean. There's always a mix and especially at these smaller ones, you get a mix of quality, obviously. And, and of course that's part of the, the charm of it. And maybe they um, had to fill this huge space, you know, but for some reason to me this year, it felt like we had more, I don't know, like some booths that just, were just confusing or <laughs> just people sitting, sitting there with like a few things behind them. Yeah. Or like, um, yeah, like, like <laughs> things that look like garage sale booths, you know, like it's just this random like swap meet. Yeah. Like they're a vendor <laughs> or something and they're just selling a bunch of random stuff and I don't know. So yeah, I don't know if they I mean, should. I think if your theme is something like that and you can play it off right, <laughs> I could see, but because there are some boots I noticed that like have that feel and look to their stuff mm-hmm. where it yeah. wants to look kind of like a bedroom sale or like a right, right. like a right. swap me kind of sale. And you set that up right and you go with it. Okay. But I understand what you're saying too, where it's like, you know, make things a little more presentable, I guess, for people yeah. to want to buy. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, oh, interesting. Um, I was going to say too about the music. You had mentioned the music, Mark, early on. How do you feel about that? Should everyone be able to play music? Is there rules about like just blasting oh. your boombox? Or, like, yeah, you know the problem with so again, if it was at Pasadena Convention Center, it it used to be two or three rooms or three halls. Mm-hmm. I think two of the three were carpeted, yeah. so it would be right. you could absorb more sound. The fact that this convention uh, was so open, so spread out, and it had hard uh, concrete floors, if you played loud music 10 booths over, you could hear it all the way through. Mm -hmm. Um, And then if everyone's doing it, it's just a jumble of noise. Yeah, yeah. So I get it. I mean, I kind of toyed around with having a a themed playlist going on, which... 
I think could have been fun and added another element to our booth, but I'm kind of glad we didn't because it would have just been kind of loud and obnoxious and we wouldn't have been able to hear each other talk. I just wanted the, that like general arcade buzz, you know, where you, you know, like when you go into yeah. Vegas and you yeah. hear that like ambient sort it's of casino a, noise, yes. like something like that yeah. would have been kind of cool, but not like that would have been fun. Blasting the Smiths, <laughs> like the guy across from us was playing the Smiths like really loud. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, will say in the past years we did play '80s music at our booth mm-hmm, for the retro mm-hmm. theme. Um, a lot, we got a lot of compliments when people came by, but it, that's like what Mark was saying when we were in the carpeted room, yeah. and it was more like once you entered our booth, you heard it. And I think, you know, once you exited, it was it was it wasn't as crazy. Like, yeah, there was overlapping music, and mm-hmm. it was really loud at the convention center. We didn't play any really this year. We had a little bit every now and then playing on top of a display case for when you looked at a figure, but it wasn't enough to, yeah. to hear it unless you were right in front of it, you know? Right, right. I don't know if there's really a way you can police that, though. I mean, unless you have security guards constantly walking up and down the aisles, heavily enforcing that. Like, there's so many, there's, I don't know if there was over a thousand, but there's definitely hundreds of vendors in different booths there. But I mean, can you imagine if they were right next to you and you can't even hear your customers because you're trying to compete with this music? I mean, what do you do then? Like complain? (laughs) (laughs) Hey, guy. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. That's an interesting. I didn't. I mean, there were moments when the sound was kind of annoying, but. Yeah, what are you going to do? I, don't, I mean, because I thought it was I mean, it was the acoustics, I think, in that hall, like you said. Because we're, yes. we're talking to customers just over our booth, and I remember it being kind of difficult sometimes to hear them, you know? Mm-hmm. So I don't know. That, that's that's just a little complaint, though, for, yeah. <laughs> yeah. for it. So I, I know, Miguel, you're really active with your Instagram. You do a lot of stories where you're actually talking to your audience and your followers. Jared and I have the podcast, so... We do have a lot of people that know who we are, um, but we don't necessarily know who they are. Another thing that I really enjoyed about this convention in particular is that you know, we've been doing the podcast for a few years now, so we have a small audience of people that listen regularly, uh, and they're the type of people that would go to this convention. So it was really nice to actually get to meet some of these people and also a lot of the guests that we had um for the first time so that was really nice miguel did you have any the opportunity to did people come up to your booth and say oh i really like your stories or i've been following you for so long really excited to see your your new figures anything like that that's my favorite part Mm -hmm. yes that's my favorite part is uh yes uh i'm so excited when i hear someone come up and uh bring up some stories they may have saw me on saw Mm -hmm. me you know doing something crazy whether it's sharing some artwork, figure collecting, working out, whatever it may be. Everyone had something that they enjoyed maybe from a story, which was nice to hear. Or some people that aren't as active just say, you know, I've been, I follow you on Instagram. I like your posts. And it's my favorite to meet those type of people face to face because it's kind of like, well, it's like the same for myself. When I follow somebody and I enjoy their work and I see them on Instagram or on social media, and then I get to meet them in person and 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 find out or be like, wow, cool! I get to see how how it is meeting you face to face and tell you I enjoy what you do. So it's nice when I hear that as well. You know, yeah. I know that Jared, you told me that this did happen. 
I was not within earshot for any of these, but you got some shorts guys comments. Oh yeah. Jared. I, yeah. I, <laughs> yes, I did. Let's leave it at that. How about that? <laughs> well, or they'd say something like, I thought you'd be in shorts or, or how come you're not wearing shorts? Uh, so yeah, yes, we do have. I will it? say each time I was at the squared co booth, I mean, Jared is a superstar. Like usually <laughs> when I was there within a minute to less than a minute, someone wanted a picture with Jared or, or shake his hand or, or an autograph. Yeah. So it was amazing to see that happen in, in the closer the closer i am to disneyland the more that happens <laughs> so maybe that's one advantage of having it in anaheim for me <laughs> yeah, yeah that's cool. other than uh wonderground that you can't really get much closer that's right so, yeah exactly yeah. do you yeah, I will see say a lot that, of the uh, same sorry go ahead mark do you see a lot of the same people jared at like do you remember seeing them at wonderground and then at uh, yeah. designer con and stuff like that. What a what a terrible question to ask. Of course, I'm going to say yes. <laughs> there you go. Uh, so Disneyland, the best thing about Disneyland is that you do get a lot of repeat customers. You get a lot of locals mm-hmm. that come for these shows. So yeah, I do see a lot of the same people uh, that come out every time, and that's so nice of them. And you know, I get gifts and food and mm-hmm. little things like that. So yeah, it it you start developing sort of a relationship with these people, and this is really the only time that you see them, or that they follow you on Instagram, so they know a little right. bit more about you than you do about them but uh yeah no it's it's great i i mean like the shoes for example i have people that just knew i was talking about those cereal shoes and they were like i had three or four people contacting me all the time saying they're available here or try over here or my friend might be able to get you one and things like that so just a very nice you know group of people community that um just because they like your work they want to help you or give you things it's very flattering (laughs) It was, okay, I didn't mean that. It was definitely a loaded question, mm-hmm. but I said it so I could have my response to it. Oh. There was there was somebody that came to our dames show um, to see your work, mm-hmm. and we saw her again at DesignerCon. Yes. So she's a fan of yours, but it's nice that I get to be a part of that, even by proximity, uh, um, yeah. to see some of these people again. So it, it is nice, um, yeah, to be able to have these sort of fans and followers, even though they're not really mine. Um, but seeing the same faces at these different events, yeah. it is kind of a nice treat. For sure. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, go ahead, Miguel. I was going to say thank you to you guys, too, because believe it or not, people came to my booth saying they heard my uh, podcast a few oh, times I've awesome. been on with Squared Co. And they're like, I listened to you on Squared Co. podcast and I liked your, you know, you're talking with Jared and Mark about toys or I enjoyed this about it. And, and that was nice to hear. It was it was a handful of people that actually came by saying that they, you know, came over from hearing your, they listen to your guys' podcast all the time. So that was cool. That was actually Mark's family, but you know, it's still good. It's, it's still <laughs> yeah, nice. Yeah. They actually hear. did come by too and they were pressuring me well, the same as Mark does to dance <laughs> all the time. So I was like, thank you, Mark. <laughs> Uh, you know what? Everybody that came to get the stickers for the scavenger, yeah. I was like, you know, once once you go give this back to Miguel, make sure he dances for you as your price. You know, that's really interesting, <laughs> though. Let's talk about that real quick. How did that go for you? Because we did. It did seem like we had a lot of people coming by with those cards. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm curious oh, I'm so how happy. many actually went through and finished the whole thing. I am so happy. You know what? We would have been out of cards pretty early on the first day, Saturday, mm-hmm. with so many people that came by for them. Um, but we put a handful away for people on Sunday, oh, too. Smart. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, the turnout was great. Um, you had those that were unaware of it. And once we let them know what the, that card was, they instantly wanted to be a part of it. They took it. Mm-hmm. 
And then you had some people that were aware of it that showed up to the booth like, uh, where can I get this card to play the, the game with everybody? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I would say it was an extreme success that I recommended any type of game like this again to any other vendors. And I'm so happy and excited that we got to do it this year because everyone I spoke to, even people that came to the booth were like, this is a great idea or game to go around and, and you know mm-hmm. have fun with. This seems so fun. I want to do it. And it, there were some people that were like, I, I want to knock it out as fast as I can so I could come back and get one. And there were some people that were just like, you know, I'll come back if I can make it happen. I will. And and in the end, yeah, I, it was it was great. It was a lot of fun. Um, I even have uh, some of my other buddies booths um, said that people ended up buying things from them or coming by. They didn't even know about their booths. And they were like, you know what? I got some a custom action figure head from, you know, May from sculptor shelf or i got mm-hmm. some you know magnets from kind nuggets mark over there and the, all those guys said thanks as well because there's business going all around too you know which just makes it nice too yeah yeah no, it was great we definitely had some extra people coming by whether or not they bought something it was nice to have them come to the booth and at least get exposed to jared's work and squared co as a brand Definitely. Awesome. Yeah. Um, so I think yeah, it was fun. it's a yeah. nice way to sort of distinguish yourself. Like you've made an impact on those customers that, that did it. I think uh, as we get, as this thing gets bigger and bigger and you're competing with things like Funko, um, you know, that's going to be more important. Do you think after this one, having a larger vendor, larger space, but large, larger vendors like Funko and even Mondo to a certain degree, do you think that helped this year? Do you think you was anything noticeable to either one of you? Uh, I mean, you don't have to go into the financials of it, but like I, my thing was like $100 means nothing to Funko, but could mean a lot to some of these smaller vendors. And if that money yeah. is being deferred to these big companies because that's the major audience, that will have an effect on sort of the, the bottom group, right? Um, so I don't know. What were your thoughts on that? Does that help? Should they Should they manage that differently next year, do you think? I don't I don't know if I'd like to see much bigger vendors come in um, or not necessarily size wise as the individual company, but numbers wise. So like 10 more companies the size of Funko, I would it would I think at that point it'll start to hurt when the percentage of larger brands um, starts increasing Mm -hmm. in the uh, in the overall like vendor space. Um, then it might start hurting. I think with just the you know Mondo, those artists um, are still for the most part they are us. They're just at a different success level or a different. They have a different type of follower. They have a higher follower count. Um, yes, but they're still us. You know, they're still individual artists and creatives. So that makes sense. Um, and I don't know if that really hurt the overall. Yeah, but I, I would not be interested to see a lot more of the larger brands coming. What about you, Miguel? How did you think that affected what happened this year? Mm, I, I kind of looked at it as a positive just because it solidified more of the how official and big designer cons becoming. Mm-hmm. Um, it did give it a little weight that, you know, people people that were already excited to go to designer con were, are going to come. And then now it pulled in more people that maybe didn't know so much about it that were like, Oh wow, there's some pretty big brands there uh, as well. So uh-huh. if you know, it brings more, even more of a crowd I'm thinking, How'd, but um, how do you feel about um, like an individual creative at comic con? Do you think, so that is primarily it's the reverse where it's mostly these huge brands mm-hmm. 
at least those are the ones that get the attention. Do you think mm-hmm. an individual creative, if they have a booth at Comic-Con, do they get overlooked or is it what you're saying and it's more of a positive because there's so many people there. Everybody wins. They're actually, yeah. yeah. You know what? I don't want to sound... Do you know, it. Like Sound it. Much like, oh gosh, Jared. Because you, so you right. actually had a booth so, at Comic Con, not a personal one. For not Red a personal Retro, booth, but, but with the company I used to one. work for. Yes, yes, yes. But I was gonna say, I, I love being an underdog. I love, mm. I love, mm. you know, put put me in the middle of the tank with the biggest sharks and let me work my way to get everyone's attention with all them there. Mm-hmm. I'd rather do that than be at a show with a bunch of smaller fish and I'm going to end up being the biggest fish. I want to be in the tank with the hugest fish. That way at the end of the day, you'll see I can overcome all that and, sh- and, and still get your attention with how creative and what I'm trying to make. That's very good. I, yeah. that's a, that's a, that is the positive approach. And I appreciate that. I'm going to debunk that now. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but <laughs> So here's, here's, no, but that's the truth. Yeah. And, and yeah. my concern and just, with and honestly, that, I felt like it went, it went well this year for me. So. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Then that's good. My concern is I yeah. think that, um, so say next year, like this was a great success. Everyone loves Designer Con now. Funko's there, Mondo's there, Big Dinosaur. Everyone wants in <laughs> on Designer Con. <laughs> now, for some reason, we can't get a booth next year. How would that make uh, you feel? Yeah. You know, and that yeah, might, right. that's an issue. We might not be those people. It could be like a lower rung of participants or, or maybe a smaller budget. You know, the, I think. Growth is inevitable, but then I think prices are going to start to rise as they did just a little bit this year. And then you start pricing people out. Um, and, and then if everybody in the world wants to come to this con now, uh, the booth things are, are going to be more competitive, more difficult than it already is to get in on this. And then I don't know. How do you right. how do you feel about like from that's I think the part I'm worried about, I guess. Right. And and yeah, it makes total sense. And yeah, yeah, I guess we're looking at it in two different uh Two different lights, sure. but yeah, I agree with you in that in that aspect. That you know, there's got to be some type of fair organizational process. Mm-hmm. I mean, let's let's be real right now too. There's a handful of artists that have been with Designer Con from day right. one, and they'll they get their pick every year of where they want to be placed, <laughs> what they want to be doing. We all know that it's not a secret. Right. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, moving forward, like even myself, look, I'm almost. Uh, this is either was my sixth year or I'm going to be on my sixth uh-huh. year. I'm you know, but. That's some time put in as well. And right. even, I, I mean, you know, I don't know how solidified my spot is even for next right, year. And it's right. one of those things where, where does, when are you grandfathered in to be on a list where it's like, hey, where would you like to be this year? Or where, what, what, you know, you're guaranteed to be here. We got you on the list for a booth next year. Because it still seems a little blurred to mm-hmm. me right now. Yeah, I still mm-hmm. don't know how solidified we all are. Yep. Especially like what you said with these big companies coming in. And everything's about money at the end of the day. Yes. So are they going to be able to come in and push out a lot of artists that might not be seniors in the game right now or be, you know, popular enough to have a spot? So that's a great point. Yeah. And I agree with you that, you know, we need to make sure that the little guys that might not be as big as those companies can still be there. But at the same time, uh, bring in some big guns to for, for show too, yeah. you know, to, to bring a pool in a crowd. I was so thinking, it's a balance, wouldn't you know? it be hilarious if they, so they grow like they grow and they attract the people because it does business, obviously. But what if they said like, okay, no one gets bigger than 
four booths across, right? You know, like Funko, yes, be yeah. there, but you get the same space <laughs> that these other people do. Yeah. You know what I mean? And just see how they work within that. And, and just to mm-hmm. kind of even the playing field, you can still sell a million Funko Pops, but you're going to do it in this little, you know, two booth setup and, and sort of even the playing field about it. And it could be the most amazing booth ever, but at least that size is the same. They're not saying we're giving you half of the convention center because you have a budget right. of $4 million on, uh, you know, this and corner. There's no way that'll ever happen. I know, but wouldn't that be kind of interesting <laughs> to see like... I actually, you know, like I would a, love to a see little DC something like that. next to a little Funko, next to a little Warner Brothers. Like it would be kind of No, that'd clever. be great. Yeah. Because then it'll force them to spend their money in more creative ways. Mm-hmm. Yes, now I was about it, to say that. It feels like it's just, you know, the more money you have is the louder you can be. Right, and right. the bigger, the more, like the taller you can go, whatever. But if you are forced to be within a certain uh, size or area, it would force you to try and stand out in different ways. So to me, yeah, that would, would be like, and I know that's unrealistic, obviously. They, they make deals with these companies to be there and they want the spect- spectacle of it all. But um, that to me would seem more like renegade designer con to take that approach yeah. with the corporate stuff. <laughs> it's like everyone's on the same playing yeah, field. Yeah. See what you could do. And they're still going to do well. <laughs> There's no question about it, right? right? But but it would be interesting to see that, like how that would play out, and then like randomly stick them in with other, you know, with other people right. like the the garage sale people and everything. I think that would be, I think that'd be interesting. <laughs> <laughs> the garage sale people. <laughs> the garage yes. sale people. Uh, um, all right. So I want to before we wrap up, I want to ask a couple more questions to both of you. Really, um, M- Miguel, we'll start with you. So this year you released your Prince figure. Last year was the uh, Jamie Star. Jamie Star. Right. Sorry. So <laughs> I I know mm-hmm. you've teased who's going to be the next one on the corner of the packaging here that you released this last designer con. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you have in store moving forward to the next con the next year? You know what? I have no problem right here and now giving you guys on Squared Co. the <laughs> The, the latest Exclusive. news right now. Oh, my Exclusive. goodness. Exclusive. I'm very excited. So what what the plans are, uh, you're right. We did tease a 80s-style kind of Terminator-looking, if you will. That won't be his name, but Terminator-looking <laughs> villain in the corner of the blister card for Captain Jackson this year. Um, mm-hmm. We were obviously inspired by that design from the old Thundercats blister cards where Mumra used to be always in the corner of the mm-hmm. uh, Thundercats blisters of those packaging. So uh, when I designed the blister cards for that, I kind of wanted to put a villain down there. And we figured with Captain Jackson front and center as our title hero, we wanted this really big and imposing villain that that he would have to go against. That was a challenge. So who better than, you know, a giant Terminator looking character from the 80s. So that's definitely a possibility to come soon in the future. But nice. as I told Jared before, and I did promise him, that uh, we do want to finish up with uh, our next hero being um, a certain material girl from nice. the 80s, if you will. <laughs> and awesome. uh, I am moving booths we next are. year. Sorry, Mark. I will be uh, <laughs> yeah. the Rad Retro booth. So we, but that's not all. So that is that is the plan for next Designer Con, though. That that's who the that's who we're thinking for next Designer Con. Mm-hmm. Before that, we are currently planning to get in another convention that I don't want to say yet because I'm still discussing with them, the the convention heads, what if we can get in or not, but mm-hmm. I'll let people 
guess what it may be by the figure, <laughs> but we're we're working on an alternate version of Captain Jackson where he turns into a werewolf. Mm. Oh man! So, I want all of these so, things. <laughs> so you can imagine what that is going to be based off of. Yeah. So it's going to be a rad, a big rad wolf yeah. character that <laughs> Captain Jackson turns into. So that's kind of what's up ahead for that's us. Awesome. That sounds uh, crazy because when I look at what you've put out here with these first two uh, action figures. And to think that you're going to cram this production in between now and the next one, which is a year, but still that seems like a really mm-hmm. short cycle for, for something this elaborate. Is. is this going to be unusually tight or is this how you work? This is going to be extra work for me yeah. for juggling, juggling a variant of Captain Jackson, which it'll still be a, it'll be a run, but you know, at least, um, the legs will be the same mm-hmm. for Jackson. It will just be a new torso, arms, and head. Yeah. And um, but th- for the next figure for Designer Con, yeah, it will be a, a brand new figure and a run. One year is usually a good amount. It's usually eight to nine months. Mm. Is a is a if you can eight to nine months for if you're on top of your game and you hit all your your due dates and you can knock it out. That's a solid time. So literally going to be getting started on this one in January for the next designer con figure. Um, these are the goals, you know, yeah. don't, no one quote me on it, but we <laughs> want to shoot big, you know, cause we still do need to release the full run of uh, Jamie star right. next mm-hmm. year. Cause we took pre-orders at this con for him. This is going to be exciting because now that we get to talk to you more regularly, we can get regular updates on the status yeah. for these projects. I could so that'll tell be people fun. listen to squared co for the updates. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Cause I'm, be I'm already stressed because of this next figure. There are so many endless really costume options uh, even if you're gonna, you know, narrow it down to the '80s, so I'm very excited. It's a couple right now. Yeah, I'm yeah. excited it's to see what which one you go with. And uh, well, yeah. you know, he. I don't know if you remember at his booth, uh, both Captain Jackson and Jamie Starr had several costume variants. Mm-hmm. So there's a possibility right there. This one could be endless. You could do yes. this forever, every <laughs> decade. <laughs> So, I know it. I know very it. Let's try exciting. to stick to 80s. Well, you've got a consultant right absolutely, here, too, if absolutely. you need any help with. <laughs> yes. Which yeah, I mean, I love we, we discussed already before. I think we could speak it into the universe now that I would be extremely excited if we could be somewhat near closer than we were this year or right next to each other next year because yes. I feel like our booths go hand in hand and there's a lot of fun and good we could do. I think so. Yes. I think so. In the works. But I, you know, it's funny, right? Because whenever I come off of these cons, I'm like so pumped. Like I want to get started right away. You know, like you, you I know. Have, yeah. like, I'm like, okay, I know what we have to do next year. Like, like so I, I have <laughs> right. to, I have to keep that. And then we go right into the holidays and we get fat and lazy and yeah, we'll start uh, fresh yep. in January. And then you're like, uh, my, my problem exactly. with these is I, it's similar to what you're saying, Jared, but I feel like I have to one up myself. Oh, for if sure. You my, if you look at my track record, from year one that I had designer cons, this is my third year. Year one, split a booth. Last year, I had my own physical space. This year, we covered two booth spaces. So at this rate, it's I'm doubling every single year. I'm all for the that. Size. Yeah. And uh, oh my God, before we know it, we're going to have our own little Mondo pavilion sized space that we're taking over uh so before we do wrap up though i do want to mention one other thing that was it they had that big jurassic dinosaur there the the con was celebrating 25 years of jurassic park is that right 25 yes and uh i don't know it it kind of felt a little flat to me like i didn't feel the presence of jurassic park as much as i thought we were going to 
at the thing, but that dinosaur was was definitely impactful. Oh, that was the dinosaur was really probably cool. the most <laughs> photographed thing uh, at yeah, the con. Right. Um, but in conjunction with that, they did an art show uh, where they had people do tribute pieces to uh, Jurassic Park, and our own Mark was part of that. Um, That's right. Do you want to talk about that, Mark? Your piece actually sold, which was very exciting. It did. Um, Surprising. Yeah, Mark, no, I have a um, question for Mark too. On yeah, that. go ahead. I saw I saw some of your process photos. I think it was today or maybe yeah. this yeah, weekend I'd you post posted. Yeah, right? Okay, yeah, it's interesting. So let every let everyone know that hasn't seen because I'm a fan of anyone that does like the die cut paper cut mm-hmm. art. Mm-hmm. I know it's extremely time consuming. So do you start with vector work and then print everything out, or you know what's your process for that? Looking at the photos. So there's two different ways to do it. When I first started, I actually literally cut every piece by hand so the first few pieces i had um let's see it was jason young's michael jackson so there we go bringing jackson back into the mix here every actually i gave you his the pin (laughs) so the you know the pin that you have okay yeah the thriller the thriller yeah so i paperized Mm -hmm. that based off of his illustration um and i cut all of those shapes by hand shortly after that i think i met uh, Michelle Romo uh, at a convention, and she does a lot of paper art. She told me that about this machine called a Silhouette Cameo, where you can take vector shapes, send it to this machine, and it'll cut exactly the shapes oh, wow. you uh, you send it. So I know there's a lot of paper artists that do utilize this machine because it's, you know, not that you can't do it by hand, but it's a huge time saver. Mm-hmm. But even utilizing this machine, it still takes... Uh, like several, several hours to finish one thing. Um, But yeah, so I'll try and do this as quickly as possible, the process on this. I will do a loose pencil sketch or like a pen sketch on paper by hand just to get the layout and composition down. Uh, Mm -hmm. Then I'll take that into the computer and finalize all of the different shapes and artwork. So once I get the line work done and the shapes completed, Depending on what the piece is, I'll start to color it. For this Jurassic Park one in particular, I knew that I wanted to work with a limited color palette. So before I finalized the color palette, I worked in grayscale. And I think I gave five different grayscale values just to get those down. Once I got that, I worked on my color palette. Um, Once I was happy with the color palette, which I have to look at the paper materials that I have. Mm. So I'm picking out the best color palette based off of what colored paper I have at my disposal. Right. That's interesting because you can't just use web colors and expect to always find a paper that matches that. Right. It's it's actually a, for my perspective or like the way that I work, it's definitely uh, it helps because it limits me. Sometimes when you can choose anything, it's too much and can be overwhelming it definitely helps me because there's less choices. So it's, it could be a good thing and a bad thing depending on how you work. Is that Pantone? Um, like, are you working off of a something no, or you just no, go look and pick what you want? So if I've got stacks and stacks okay. and stacks yeah. of paper, so I will just go to uh, my stacks of paper that I have built up over the years and try and do the best I can with what I have. If there's a really specific color I'm going after, I'll go make a trip to Michael's or a, 
you know, one of the craft stores around to find a specific colored paper or mm-hmm. the other alternative I do sometimes is since I have a pretty fancy printer, I can print a solid square of, of a color yeah. and uh-huh. then use that as the paper and cut on that. Very time yeah. consuming. Yeah. So right. depending on what it is, but I have some, I probably have hundreds of different colors of paper. So I'm for the most part in pretty covered, um, but still you have to make sure that it is the right tone and color that you're going for. Um, but anyways, once I finalized the palette, I converted the grayscale to my actual final color palette. Then you've got to take out all of your shapes and uh, get ready to cut. Once all the cutting's done, then I assemble it, put it in the frame. So it's it's a very long process. Um, I don't know why I decided to fall in love with this medium. I don't think I could have found a more time-consuming one. Um, but it is definitely something I gravitated towards early on and really enjoy for some odd reason. So, uh, yeah, it looks yeah, clean. No, it turned out very nice. Uh, and it sold, which is fantastic. That's the goal of everything, right? Oh, what, what? so one more thing. I... Because I worked in a like a limited color palette, what I'm trying to do moving forward is maybe start making screen prints out of it. So since there's only four or five colors and it was really solid vector shapes, I could relatively easily make them a screen printed poster or print. Because right now the problem is I spent all this time producing one image, mm-hmm. one original piece that you know, if it's a good design, there's potential to sell prints on, but it's a one of one. So I'm kind of screwed. Right. Yeah. So That's what's inter- yeah, interesting. I'm trying to work with more limited color palettes so that I have the opportunity to maybe turn it into a screen. Oh, print. that's good. Yeah. Might as well get as much mileage out of it as you can. Um, there was another piece that you had done, I believe for like an online call for submissions. And I believe now I'm going to tell this badly so that you can tell it properly, but you did one (laughs) and you were actually able to present it to someone at DesignerCon. Is that right? Yes. So there is a comic book series that I am a fan of called Headlopper. Um, and the creator, artist, illustrator, and writer for Headlopper, his name is Andrew McLean. He, I think he's from the East Coast, so it was, he was exhibiting at DesignerCon, and I knew this ahead of time, but I had done a fan piece for head, a Headlopper fan art contest, and I spent all this time doing a piece like this, and I don't really, it takes up so much physical space, it's not a digital thing that it just exists on your computer, mm-hmm. So a lot of times, once I finish a piece, if it doesn't sell or if it's not attached to a gallery, it just, I've got stacks of paper art I don't know what to do with. But once I heard that he yeah. was <laughs> going to be at DesignerCon, I wanted to make sure that I at least gave him the opportunity to accept it as a gift. I think you have to be a pretty terrible person to deny somebody's gifting you fan art. So he was... Very generous and nice about the whole thing, and he seemed like he was interested in it. He took it. What did he say? Um, he said able- something, though, didn't he? He said oh. something. I, I'm going. I'm paraphrasing here, but he said something along the lines of like, "Oh my god," because I think he's with his wife or his girlfriend. He's like, "Oh my god, honey, I get so spoiled. All of my fans like just give me this beautiful fan art, Aww. something along those lines." So, 
he was very nice about it. I took a couple pictures with him, um, and I think that is now somewhere in the East Coast. Hopefully, it's so funny. Or he left it in the Anaheim. Like you didn't even mention it. You just like disappeared from the booth for a while with the package, and then I see it on Instagram. <laughs> very secretive, very private. In case, so in case Jared, it didn't you, go well, you know this. <laughs> You know this about me and my personal work. I have a very terrible relationship with my own work. Yes. I'm very weird and like not confident and uncomfortable promoting myself. Right, which is, um, um, uh, it's not even borderline. <laughs> it is stupid. So let me <laughs> let me just say that. Uh, yes, Thank you. Yes, I don't get it. So hopefully you had a good weekend here. You sold your piece, mm. Jurassic Park, big things. You can... You know, start being um, a little bit more proactive about promoting all this. I, stuff. I'm gonna so I'm gonna try to start uh, promoting and showcasing my personal stuff a little bit better than. Look I at have. Miguel; he talks about himself endlessly, and you love it, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh no, is it no. like that? <laughs> Miguel is the very lovable. I don't know if I could pull off that lovable of a character. Not not as good of a dancer, that's for sure. That's no, I'll, no. <laughs> nobody stands close to as good oh, as wow. Miguel as a dancer. Um, but <clears throat> let's see. Before we wrap up, last so, thing I will ask. Oh, I yes. didn't get your response, Jared, on what you have planned for next year. Like, do you? Yes. I know for this year we had our plans kind of got altered almost last minute. Mm-hmm. Are you going to start thinking of what? the impact or like what you want your footprint to look like for next year. Are you going to do something themed or is it just going to be your, like a collection of the work you've done throughout the year you're going to bring? Um, well, I don't know. The guy I worked with this year, kind of shady, kind of unpredictable. <laughs> Not sure if I'm going to go with them again, but um, yeah, I mean, I think it depends. <laughs> I, I, I enjoyed collaborating with you on this. I'm, I'm sure if you decide to do it again next year, which I'm assuming you will, that we will come up with something that works for the both of us. Uh, I do have some ideas, obviously. Of course, I've got so much stuff happening next year. I, I feel like, you know, I'm jazzed about it because we're coming right off of it. And so I've got all these these <laughs> thoughts about what to do. But um, I, I think I got to let it sort of simmer for a bit, maybe over the holidays, try to do some sketching and, and like visualize some of this stuff to make sure it's going to work. But um, we, we actually have talked, the three of us have actually talked about some kind of big plans for how we want to present next year. And I think that'll be interesting. I'm excited to see yeah. how that could possibly work out and we can maybe do something uh, do something a little different rather than just sort of dressing up a, a rectangle um, can we <laughs> can we find another way to be impactful that sort of resourceful and combines right. efforts and energies and takes a group of little people and make us feel as big as a mondo or a funko but uh, not not spending those kind of um, you know not not spending that kind of money to make that impact but just by doing something else so I'm excited about that aspect more so than the specific artwork that I, I'm going to create because I think that'll take more time to conceive and and hopefully we can mm-hmm. make something that's cohesive amongst uh, a group of us or something. So that part yeah. is, is what's really exciting. Cause for me, this isn't like a big money thing, right? For me, it's not, I have to make this much money. So I'm like, let's make this uh, like a showpiece then. Right. And that, that's the best thing you can get out of it. I think is if you can get attention of the right people or just if someone were to walk away and say, remember that booth, like that was an amazing booth or something like that. I think to me, that's more so than selling, you know, 10 pins or a bunch of prints or something like that. Like people walked mm-hmm. away and they have sort of a flavor about what you're about more so than just, I like this character. 
um, that yeah. could be exciting. Yeah, it's, I agree. Quality over yes, quantity. Definitely. You know, I th- I th- I think that if everyone. For myself, I love the networking that mm-hmm. happens. I love meeting mm-hmm. the new people. Like we talked about earlier, I love meeting people that may have followed us on Instagram right. or or vice versa, meeting people that you follow. They stop by the booth. I've, that's even happened to me. And I'm like, hey, I follow you on Instagram. Right. I recognize you and check out my work. Yeah. You know, it goes both ways. But um, I agree with you. I think that designer con should be something fun like that, at least where we're all coming from. We're, in, we're all in unison that it's, Let's make it something special where people are like, I had a fun experience there at that booth. Right. I had a right. good time when I was at that booth or, you know, whatever it may be. So that's, I am 100% supportive of that idea. I think that's great. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, I think that creates sort of a longer relationship uh, more so than just how can we get people that are here to buy this thing instantly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Kind of jumping off of that. Um, so personally, Doing what I did with the booth design, I was hoping that it would kind of become a showpiece for as a successful project in a portfolio um, and maybe get a job or a project off of this in the future. Mm-hmm. Miguel, do you have like similar approach to the show and what you're producing and showing to the world. <laughs> I know it's like, a, I, it's a longer, I f- yeah. think it's a longer game for you with what you're doing with the, the figures. Um, you, you spend so much time and effort into them and they are beautiful. Um, Thank you so much. And I think, I think you've said it before on a previous episode with us that you would love to get hired to do something like this. So I think, we, we both have kind of similar game plans with what we're trying to do at these conventions. You guys, I know you see this smile on my face right now. <laughs> I'm actually really, really excited that you asked this. I can't share too much, and I'm excited <laughs> to see your guys' responses to this. But um, as of today, Uh-oh. as of today, two days after DesignerCon, um, perhaps I could tell you off air, but <laughs> what I could share on air is a really, really big major toy company reached out to me today to do some work with Nice. Them. That's awesome. So That's incredible. I am extremely excited. Um, I mean, my adrenaline's been up since right before we started the podcast. <laughs> and, you know, I was thinking if there's an opportunity to bring this up, I will. If not, I don't want to be that guy that's on here bragging and boasting <laughs> like, guess what oh, happened to me? Yeah, that's what you're here for. You asked yeah. the perfect question. <laughs> you asked the perfect question. <laughs> so here I am now. And, um, that goes for anyone else too. Is like there's another reason why Designer Con is great is that um, uh, I put in the work, and it's interesting because even talking with this company and the spokesperson, I asked them, um, you know, may I ask how you heard of my right. work and heard of me, and they said they had been following me since last year and what I've been building with the rad retro figures, with my personal art, art shows, uh, all that stuff I put on my Instagram that you guys see in my stories and my posts. You know, there's always we don't know, but there's always someone watching out there. There's mm-hmm. always someone watching that you ne- might not know that sees your h- grind and hustle. And for me, it was it was a great feeling today to hear that and to see that from a big toy company that that was watching. And and, and I obviously got the attention of some of them. Was so this? Um, it's exciting. Was this out of the blue, or w- was this um, anything? Were you expecting this yeah. in any way? No, no, not expecting in any way other than me just constantly trying to post like we discussed my hustle and the grind every day, how I do the uh, whether it's the stories or trying to share my input with toy manufacturing, 
trying to keep my website somewhat updated. Mm -hmm. I need to update it more. But majority of my updates come on my Instagram gallery. Mm -hmm. And it was a pleasant surprise that a few days after the con, I got this email to do some work with this company. And I'm excited to see what's in store ahead. That's all I could say. All right. So we got to hurry up and wrap up so we can hear about this off air. (laughs) (laughs) Well, congratulations. I think that's the um, that is the prize of designer con or any con is that that's the best you can hope for. Our friends, uh, the Clarks who were there, great people, love them. They had similar experiences uh, and, and they were you know, I kept coming up to them like, how's it going? You know, is it a good con? They're like, yeah, it's been good. You know, very low key. And then finally on, on Sunday afterwards, we wrapped up, they started sharing the stories of what was actually happening and they had a similar similar story to tell. So that's very exciting. Awesome. Yeah, I'm glad to hear that. I'm glad to hear that that's happening. Awesome. Yeah, it's exciting times. All right. So last question for everybody. Mm. O- okay. Overall experience, better or worse than Pasadena? Mm. You can go as de- detailed or vague uh, as possible as you want. I think it was better for me this year because it was the first time where I was truly represented at the booth. I've always been sort of a smaller part at a, other people's booths in the past that I've done it. Um, oh, you liked your four foot wide name? Yes, on a could have been bigger, there. but you know, lessons <laughs> learned, right? Um, yeah. So for this one, it, it was the first time, and I could tell by the response that we got. It was the first time that this felt like this was my booth. Now I was obviously part of the Squared Co booth, but um, sharing pretty much sharing the space with you. Um, so I had a lot more people that knew that I was going to be there this time that came specifically to see me that came specifically to get a specific item. Uh, and, and that's great. And that I think that makes you feel more like you belong at this event. Um, and so for me, that was better. I think the flavor has changed. I think it's going to take a few more years for uh, for it to sort of redefine what it's going to be and how it's going to be moving forward. So I'm, I'm curious to see that. But I had a great time. I would. Uh, there's no question about doing it again for me personally. Um, but um, yeah, I had fun. And on top of it, I had fun. So um, mm. I can't complain from that perspective. Uh, but there are concerns. And I think there's areas for improvement. Yeah. But I'm sure everybody involved with this feels that same way. So... Uh, but that's my side of it. You guys, I think, have a more direct way to compare what happened. I mean, not just <laughs> receipts, but like, you know, how mm-hmm. it is exhibiting in this new format. Yeah. Miguel, Mark, I'll let you, you go, go and I'll wrap okay. it up. Okay. Okay, perfect. I um, tried to make mine brief. I just wanted to say, yeah, it was a successful year for me. Obviously, not just um, through um, business, like, you know, and financially, it was also successful, like what just happened with uh, networking, right. uh, meeting more people. That was great. And um, for myself, I felt like I put in the years prior kind of building up uh, my artwork, what I can do. And I got to the point this year where I feel like I was the most ready to present a full um booth with my friends of what I'm capable of doing mm-hmm. as far as the figure line goes and and all the other products and the art prints and I had the shirts so I felt the most prepared this year than I'd ever been in that sense um as far as uh like a disappointment like I said it was more or less in myself because I take a lot of pride in 
uh, giving everyone that great first impression when they come by the booth. And, and if it's in meeting me or seeing the product, I want to always be at 110% for everyone. So I was a little bummed. I was a little under the weather this weekend, but I tried to keep my energy levels up the whole con for everyone that stopped by to, to say hello. So that was one thing. And, and the other is, uh, as far as the designer con goes in general, um, I didn't have any real gripes where I was just really frustrated with with the how it was ran i i, I just felt mm -hmm. like obviously there was little things here and there that could be improved upon and how i would improve upon it but for the most part uh we got through the con and it was it was it went well for me so i didn't want to really complain too much right right mm -hmm. i agree i agree mm -hmm. i think for for this year it's definitely a transition mm -hmm. year it's and it's moving towards it, obviously, it's still going to be called DesignerCon, but it's not DesignerCon. So this is a new type of convention. It is moving away from what we knew it to be at Pasadena. So from this point forward, obviously, again, it will still be called DesignerCon, but it is a different convention. <laughs> I, I think it's going, it definitely had a different feel, at least for me, this year. And I think it's just going to kind of continue changing until it's really established itself at Anaheim. Um, but yeah, I think this was somewhat of a transition year. Whether or not that continues to transition and become something different next year or if it's going to somewhat revert back to what it was at Pasadena, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. it's definitely changing. And yeah, I just think overall it was somewhat of a transition year and we'll have to see what comes the next few years. So like with Funko, I, and it's sort of mean to call out Funko, but they're clearly the big the big fish there. Right. Like oh, oh they're huge. Yeah. So do yeah. you think it's kind of like telling how what their reaction was, like if they thought this was worth it, or if they thought, well, yeah, we think we'll pass next year, or you know what I mean? Like, wonder how much of an impact that will have on how you know how they steer well, the ship for next year or the coming so years. So Ben the the founder of Decon, mm -hmm. he was on a podcast a few months ago talking like he kind of revealed this information that Funko was going to be here this year through another podcast and the way that he was presenting the information was as if this is not Funko, this is another brand under the Funko umbrella. Obviously it was Funko. Mm. It said in giant letters, F-U-N-K-O. So right. it wasn't... I think because it was so serial specific, he was kind of being, maybe kind of being cute with it, you know, like... Yeah, it's... it was all they, small. Yeah. <laughs> it was... It was supposed to be this line of just serial... Saturday morning, products. Right? Yeah, Saturday thing. morning. Yeah. So I don't know if next year it's going to be like full-on Punko with the pop vinyl figures. Um or or not i don't know what to expect but yeah it, it was we'll, we'll just see which i know we'll we're see. wrapping up but that's still so insane to me that there is like gazillion pop final like they have every license known to man and they're everywhere right now oh, yeah and it's i try unreal. not to collect but then because there's just so many it's so hard and then i see some some and i'm like dang that one's kind of yeah. cool though i should i want to get that one those <laughs> so the pop ones it's very very hit and miss i think the ones that it works on it works really well and then yep. it's 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 either good or terrible. Right. 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 All right. So I think we've gone on long enough with this episode. 
Um, thanks again to Miguel for coming on to chat with us. Oh, thank I you can't guys wait for having me. to hear more about this project uh, once we get off here <laughs> and to oh. follow along his journey next year with these new figures that he's going to be working on during next year, getting ready for the next designer con and this other con- mystery convention that he is potentially going to be at. Alrighty, So that is it for today's episode. Thanks again to Miguel for coming on. Um, always a pleasure. Can't wait to see what you've got in store for us coming up, but that's it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you later.